everybody, and welcome back to some more inter-season goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matt Stockton. Per annum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, if anyone has guessed the title of the episode from that, (laughs) I will be fucking amazed. (laughs) I would have no idea from that one, that is... Per annum, uh, Latin yeah. motherfucker. I, I'm aware, but yeah, yeah, interesting. As we know, we've got Latin listeners. As in Latin speaking, not Latin. Yes, well, Latin speaking. Listeners, but yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah, from, from the Latin part of the world. No one's <laughs> speaking have... Latin anymore, apart from you. <laughs> Me and assholes, and also a couple of nice listeners to the show. <laughs> and of course, not Latin, but still joining us as always, is Tim Matum. Some kind of hot tub time machine? Wait. We're doing time travel again. Th- yeah, <laughs> have you got the wrong episode, Tim? We're not no, doing time travel again. I've made a clever thing connecting <laughs> two things that I'll talk about later. It dun, won't make sense until then. Dun, dun. Very clever. By later, he means in series eight. <laughs> we fix Hot Top Time Machine too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that a bad sequel to a good movie? That's the question. No, it's a bad sequel to a mediocre movie, but correct. Still, yeah. that's <laughs> acceptable for us. We'll well, worth sequelizing, maybe. Mm. Stick it on the list, gentlemen. I think it already is. It might already be on the master list, because the master list has everything. Everything you could possibly need. And speaking of having everything you could possibly need, we're talking about some of the greatest years in the history of film. Our favourite years, some incredible years, and we've got two picks each. One more modern, this millennia, this this century, and one in the 20th century. And we're going to discuss some of our absolute favourite films, and some fantastic years for cinema. And hopefully, dear listeners, you will go, holy shit, those films came out in the same year. Oh my God. Because <laughs> mm. that's basically what I did <laughs> while researching this. <laughs> mm. um, and I've hinted at one of mine before, because we've covered the prequel to one of these films. And there is an episode in, in the prequel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we actually said, oh my God, what an amazing year for film. And then we went, aha. <laughs> Good year that sounds films. like an episode idea to me. <laughs> to the master list. Exactly. <laughs> to the interseason master list. So yeah, we're going to be talking about some some absolute classics and some modern classics, gems, however you want to put it as well. And basically going through some ridiculously good years for film where you'll get a dozen or even two dozen really fucking good releases within a 12-month period. And to clarify, because I know there are some pedants out there, this is based on Western, either American or UK release dates, depending on how we want to feel about it and how we want to classify <laughs> Depending on how many we want to squeeze in. Exactly, exactly. If it was released in America in the right year, we're picking that one. If it's released in the UK in the right year, we're picking that one. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think I use localised release dates for my, my ones. So, yeah. I assume most of mine are American. I know a couple are not because I know mm. specifically that they are the UK release dates, because that's how I got them to be in 1980. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, to, to, to be Ooh. in my years. 1918? 1918, that's my favourite year. Crafty Chambers, squeezing yeah. them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crafty Chambers. Sounds like a shitty board game from the 90s. <laughs> from MB Games, Crafty Chambers. Will you be the first to enter the Crafty Chamber? It's, it's <laughs> like a... Brand of like homemade, you know, like buy your kids uh, the latest crafty chambers kit and they'll be able to make a car that runs along powered by uh, a balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assemble your own dinosaur skeleton over 20 days. And by 20 days, I mean 30 issues at 9.99 each. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting away from 
best years for film. We are. So let's dive straight in with a year that has been mentioned multiple times on this show, and for good reason. Because I'm talking about, oh dear listeners, I'm talking about 1980 motherfucking two. Because this came up in the Thing prequelizers episode. Because the Thing, 1982, is a phrase we said about a million times on that episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I specifically remember saying, holy shit, Blade Runner and the Thing came out on... (laughs) The same day, yeah, <laughs> in the same year, and they're both in like my top five films of all time. It's like, is that the greatest? I think I said it on the episode. Is this the greatest day in cinema for a and young both of them Jack Chambers? <laughs> and they both flopped horribly. <laughs> so the obvious starting point, as I just mentioned, Blade Runner and The Thing, mm. two of the best sci-fi movies ever made, two of the most influential science fiction films ever made, and. As you rightly said, Matthew, massive box office flops. <laughs> I, 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 One I of them came with a just... fucking terrible narration that Harrison Ford couldn't have given less of a fuck about. And to be fair, I don't blame him. He's grumpy and we love him for it. I was to say, I, I'd heighten what you just said. I'd say not only that, like genre pieces of science fiction and, and horror necessarily, but two of the greatest films ever made. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're certainly, yeah. like I said, two of my favorites. Well, the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about like director's cuts and the final, final cut, cut and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I like the final cut, apart from the fucking unicorn thing from Legend. But we'll, we'll, let's not get into mm, that too fine. much. If we start talking about cuts of Blade Runner, we'll be here for years, and, and <laughs> we'll yeah never get onto the next thing. But Blade Runner, the thing kicking it off, nineteen eighty two. What a fucking year! Yeah, we you already know how much I love the thing from the thing episode. We've talked about that plenty. But Blade Runner has a special place in my heart. It was one of the first like hard like real you know, my intellectual sci-fi quote unquote things I got into that kind of influenced my love of that genre going forward. And now why I love cyberpunk genre and all the kind of like more grounded earth-based kind of sci-fi stuff as well. Sure. So it's a big influence on my taste and, you know, why I love so many of the films and video games and books and stuff that I've read ever since. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in preparation for the upcoming cyberpunk game, I've gone through and been like, rereading uh i've gone back and reread a bunch of william gibson and stuff and yeah and it's been good it's been good but blade runner classic the thing classic one for you mr stogden hello it's not star trek 5 don't worry we've we've already (laughs) fixed that one this one certainly doesn't need fixing because again arguably one of the best science fiction films ever made yeah and one of the most influential star trek 2 the wrath of khan which let's face it star trek has been trying to recapture that yeah. Oh, they've since. redone it. It's the fucking death. Quite literally. Of, it's the fucking death of Superman. Let's redo mm. it over and over and over again. Bullshit. They. Oh, yeah. It's it's arguably it's in the top two of Star Trek films. <laughs> What's the, the other best. one? Uh, first contact. Nemesis. Nemesis. First, first, first contact and Wrath of Khan. Only if you want to rub your is... rub your hands over Tom Hardy's smooth head. <laughs> People on the internet do. <laughs> Um, Do you get that a lot? Yeah, Wrath of Khan's great. I fucking love that film. Wrath of Khan it's, is a classic, it's, yeah. It's such a stripped-down classic. A lot of it's driven on the acting. Uh, we've discussed this, actually, in our um, favourite sequels episode mm. way, way back. When, we did. Well, I think that was Tim's first appearance on sequelizers. Ooh, good bit of trivia there, mate. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just... I, I, so I bang on about you know, how it was made in production, but um, it saved Star Trek full fucking stop because the motion <laughs> picture nearly killed the fucking thing. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. 
it's so that, it's, that's the uh, that example is the opposite of what we have done for the last five seasons. Yes, <laughs> that is a great sequel to a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that flips it on its head and maybe the most like. I think that's that's the pinnacle of that example of like if you think of a really good sequel that followed a crap film, Star mm. Trek Two is a perfect fucking example of that. It's the quote from Scream. Well, when has a sequel been better than the original? Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Star Trek: The Motion Picture has some, a one really really interesting concept, <laughs> and it takes far too long to get there. <laughs> and then when it does, it thinks it's fucking two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, and you're like. Mm. Can you can you just finish your VFX and just show me what this thing looks like? Because it's taken you a week to get through. Spock just making faces like he's in the middle of becoming a space baby. Well, on, Khan's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. Well, on the theme of like retreading things from the 80s in the 2010s, we've got Blade Runner 2049, obviously the sequel mm. to Blade Runner. Yeah. The, the thing prequel we've already talked about, they kind of tried to redo the Wrath of Khan with Khan, Khan. John Harrison <laughs> and all that bollocks and shit. And another film we've already mentioned on this show, the original Tron is also 1982. <laughs> and we fixed, I personally fixed Tron Legacy back in the day as well. Yeah. So yeah. I would he, love that if Jack does like a, like a job interview or someone just asks him in the street. So I was like, hey, what do you do? I fixed Tron, you fucking <laughs> bastard. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? I feel, I feel that's going to be, uh, if we ever do like a sequel con or anything like that, where we do a meetup, that's going to yeah. be Stuart Main's first question. Like, <laughs> Why did you fix Tron Legacy? It's it perfect. It. <laughs> I don't know why he's British. He's Scottish. Like, he's suddenly got an English accent for some reason. I don't know why. I don't, I don't offend. know if it's less offensive. I've, I've already offended him plenty of times about harassing him about his taste <laughs> in film. But yeah, yeah. And yes. Tron, it's important. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that's the thing. Like Tron, we as we said when we did the Tron Legacy episode, like the film itself is a mixed bag. Uh, yeah. There are parts of it that don't work, but visually it's such a leap forward in terms of like what could be done that yeah it's worth noting in in the great films of that year it hadn't aged well but it has been such a big influence on so many other things and and really kind of uh revolutionized and innovated so much cgi stuff they were doing cgi before computers existed yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's a thing it's mad <laughs> how they did those uh light cycle scenes and stuff it's absolutely crazy mm. and Speaking of effects and practical stuff and all this kind of stuff, another thing I've mentioned on this show before, <laughs> tying into my Oz pitch, it's like I've just loved this year. It's so strange. Seriously, <laughs> man, yeah. The Dark Crystal <laughs> was also 1982. Muppets. And obviously I referenced all the puppets and shit and my Oz musical 80s madness that I did yep, uh, yep. towards the end of last season. So yeah, even even more references. <laughs> I didn't consciously reference like, oh yeah, I fixed three separate sequels slash prequels of these films. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I just thought, Blade Runner the thing, obviously. What else was there? Oh shit. There's the, a bunch of other stuff we've yeah. covered as well. The computer <laughs> that Jack writes his pitches on is kind of like an Enigma machine and he's got the dial set to nineteen eighty-two. <laughs> oh. I just assumed the computer that Jack writes his pitches on is in fact Kurt Russell and the boy who wore tennis shoes. <laughs> I wish. Come lay I down, wish. Kurt. I need to create another draft. <laughs> I feel like he just he's opening his chest like out of the thing and there's just a typewriter inside. <laughs> Clickety clack it away. <laughs> Twist his nipple to wind the uh, wind the paper on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, gross. God, we turn that real gross real quick. Uh, something from I mean, my childhood. Dark crystal. Yeah, exactly. Fucked up. Yeah, 
it, it's dark. It's weird. It, it messed me up as a kid. It was really creepy and sketchy. Oh yeah, puppets, kids' film. I think that's what my parents thought. And they were like, yeah. "Yeah, he watches like Sesame Street and shit. It'll be fine. It's the same thing. It's all pence and it'll be fine. What could possibly? Oh God! Oh, this is horrible." <laughs> I have a question. Um, because it, just because it's got cancelled. Uh, did you guys see the the Dark Crystal series? I did not. No, I haven't seen I, it. Yet. I haven't either. I know it's got an seen neither have I. All three of us. It's got an absolutely bananas voice cast. Like yes, it does. Has. It does. And that wasn't enough to save it. Yeah, I'll probably get around to it at some point and probably really enjoy it and see what everyone said about it. But yeah, yeah, I, I haven't some reason... seen the Dark Crystal in a while, so I wasn't suddenly like, oh, oh fuck yeah, I need to see the Dark yeah, Crystal. Yeah, I, I want to rewatch series. Yeah, yeah. Wanna yeah I I'd really want to go before. back and watch the original first before I got into I'm that. Still to like... <laughs> 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 I'm still too traumatized by it. Fucking gofling! How old were you when you first saw it, Matt? Too young. Thirty-five. Um, <laughs> 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 I think I must have watched Dark Crystal and uh, Labyrinth around about the same sort of time. Maybe when I was maybe six or seven, that kind of thing. And it was just too, too, and and Gremlins around the same time. Oddly enough, T- too, too traumatizing. Too much. Was, I, I think it was the the, the, the Skeksis I was kind of fine with. It's the fucking Gelflings. They're smooth, smooth <laughs> bodies and their fucking weird music playing and their terrified Ooh, faces. Oh, it just fucking freaked me out. See, as I often did as a kid, I think I saw Labyrinth and Dark Crystal within like a relatively short period of time. Mm. And sure, for sure. years, they were just merged in this giant <laughs> puppet maelstrom of madness. Yeah. Sexually like... confusing puppet maelstrom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, what yeah, uh, Jennifer Connelly falls down with the hands yeah. that are touching. Her. <laughs> I'm sure I was like, yeah, the Gelfling Prince. Yeah, that's that's, that's his character. Like the yeah, he's this the king of the Gelflings. He's this yeah. David Bowie. He's right? a baby, that's... and then he's a Gelfling, and then he's David Bowie. <laughs> exactly. <from himself>. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a Pokemon evolution. evolution. <laughs> oh, there we go. I've applied Jim I, Henson's you, Pokemon evolution. If you use the glam stone on a Gelfling, it turns into the Ooh. Goblin King. <laughs> Brilliant. There are a couple of Pokemon that look like David Bowie. Funnily enough, so. <laughs> of course there are. Yeah. Next up, another thing from my childhood, and I'll, I'll start whipping through these. We've got plenty more to speaking go through. Speaking of speaking of Bowie, speaking of Bowie, the Snowman, nineteen eighty two. Which only, if I say speaking of Bowie, that preface only works for a certain generation because mm. <laughs> it's not anymore. It's Raymond Briggs now as Father Christmas. Yeah, but not when I was a kid. It was David Bowie talking about a scarf. That's so strange. That is so strange. Did you see the tweet from um, Duncan Jones? Uh, Duncan Jones being David Bowie's son. Duncan Jones, director of Moon and. Precisely. War, Warcraft. Warcraft <laughs> and Mute and other And Mute. Pieces. I watched Mute fairly recently. I really enjoyed it. It's all right. Yeah. Source code is still good though. So Source code's great. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that before. Um but in our he, time he travel took episode, a... I think, briefly. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think we do. Yeah, yeah. We reference it at least. But um no, he took a he took a picture. He still has the scarf from the snowman, and all the internet went, Oh god <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, speaking of things that make you go, oh god, from 1982, something that has that effect on uh, a certain Matthew Stockton's wife. She <laughs> hates this fucking thing. The extraterrestrial himself, ET. She's terrified of him. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's not like he's not good looking, you know. No, of course not. <laughs> Freak. I fucking hate ET. And, and literally, I just like, like a film. just like holding your finger out towards your wife can freak her out. It's it's quite impressive. I've done ever. Spe- I have quite bony fingers. Yeah, you got light up kind of fingers. You'll be fine. Like terrifying your wife for however many years. <laughs> Using With my fingers. Oh, let's line. not go there. Chambers, Jesus. Let's not go there. <laughs> um, no, I don't like ET. I don't think I've ever liked ET. I know people tell as me as a film or as a creature or both. Both. I don't oh, like it as a film. 
I've got, I've got it on DVD, obviously, and it's in my collection there. Of course it is. Um, but I don't... Actually, it's a three-disc edition, which has a special edition with the shotguns and also the original with the walkie-talkies. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah. I won't watch either of them. So... It's the one. It's one of those moments where you told when you're very young. Oh, it's a Steven Spielberg movie. Because you know, if you didn't say it's name of the director, Spielberg's Spielberg. magic. Yeah, except the fact that you know. So it was, it's watch every Spielberg film. They're all good. First of all, no, they're not. <laughs> um, but you just you just told from a young age this is a good film. You'll like it. And yeah. I watched it and go, kind of didn't like that movie. But you're yeah. young enough that you just go, I guess I just didn't. I don't know. I just I, I don't know. You don't have the language to process the fact this is shit. This is not good. There are moments in it that are pretty enjoyable, obviously. That iconic, but uh, most it can get in. plenty of iconic moments, but yeah. Mm. yeah. Good score. Yes, oh, yeah, definitely. John yeah. Williams is always a good score. Can't go wrong with a bit of John Williams. Good Amblin Entertainment logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's also true. Moving over to some oh, more kind of action-heavy stuff from the, from my childhood of the Snowman, Dark Crystal, and E.T. To, to, to Team to some, Jack. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is this is Kid Jack to Teen Jack. I'm watching films about big muscly dudes in the 80s. Muscly dudes like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Three and in First Blood, because I didn't even realise First Blood came out in 1982, a.k.a. Yeah, the yeah. first Rambo, in case yeah. you don't know what First Blood is. And then he turns into a mad fucking 80s action star after this one is quite like, yeah, he's really fucked up after the Vietnam War. It's really harrowing and stuff. Fuck mm. it, he's an 80s action star now, just... Just give him a bandana and just send him out topless and just Do go and murder people. Do we get to win this people. time? <laughs> time to win Vietnam and then go win Afghanistan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, Fighting yeah, with of. the Taliban, I think yep. it was, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Or something. Oh, I can't remember. Something like that. And, of course, Rocky Three, a... Uh, Club Alang. A Club Alang, Mr. Yeah. T, classic. Uh, Mr. T, who I knew from wrestling, because, of course, I did. Uh, really? Yeah. I was into wrestling before I was into films, like as a really young. I mean, kid. like the A Team. I'd never seen an episode of the A Team in my life. I don't think. <sighs> so young. They're all the same. Why. You could just watch one. Gonna, and then you've seen say, all of them. I've, I've seen clips. Um, That's not me being an advocate for the series. I'm not saying seek it out. I'm just saying, like, oh yeah, but it was on the TV all the time when I was a boy. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was. I mean, I'm sure it was on reruns and shit. But like, no, no, yeah, no. There'd I'm, be no I'm urgency. Not, but yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm not. I'm. Don't think I've consciously seen an an episode of the A Team. I've seen the terrible remake films, as we talked about before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Which also brought you in because of wrestling. <laughs> well, UFC, a- yeah, 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 with Rampage Jackson being, yeah, mm. that's oh, that's a weird crossover. Sticking with eighties action, Conan the Barbarian. One, of, I think, yeah. probably one of the first Schwarzenegger films I saw as well. I have a real soft spot for like Conan and stuff. I love the Robert E. Howard Conan stuff. Howard was an asshole. I know. <laughs> He's one of those Lovecraft motherfuckers where he's a real dickhead racist. But I love that world. I love the kind of like sorcerers and barbarians and call that whatever whatever that genre of fantasy is. I don't, like mythical fantasy, I think, that kind of thing, where it's all like mythical oh, yes. heroes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Hyborian um, stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. I have a um, like Conan Chronicles Omnibus edition that's one of my favorite, my like, prized possessions of my book collection that I really love. And I really, really want a King Conan film because that Jason Momoa one was shite. That was crap. And and there, there's been rumours of bringing back Arnie to do Old Man King Conan, which they hinted at in the previous films. So I would love it. And they did some, they've done some really good comics recently as well. So 
yeah, this was kind of my my introduction to the in the same way that Blade Runner was my introduction to the kind of cyberpunk stuff. Conan was very much one of my early introductions into kind of that big realm of fantasy and all that kind of stuff as well. There's a few films I haven't seen but are important. I have seen Gandhi. It's long mm-hmm. as fuck, and I've not seen it since. I I, I just want to. <laughs> I think I, I saw it as a teenager. Interrupt there because I was really hoping you were going to say like. Yeah, move over to Teen Jack when I got into big muscly men like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Three, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barbarian, Ben Kingsley in Gandhi. <laughs> yeah, that's the one where he wins the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one. I can't remember. And he fights Mr. T. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I've seen... I can't remember when I saw Gandhi. I remember watching it with my, my parents did the like, right, you're about to learn something. Sit down for the next six and a half hours and watch this film. And yeah. like, okay, okay, cool. What did sure. you learn, Jack? Uh, Films are long. <laughs> yeah. It's possible that I think like within not, again, this like weird, uh, within a short span of time, I saw this in Lawrence of Arabia within like a short span of time. Yeah, no, and, I can understand And that. my brain just blurred and I was like, they're both very long and uh, and about the past and about and the past board. somewhere else in the world in like very hot countries i don't know what's going on pretty I've, sure both of them have black face i can't remember I know, I know. <laughs> or at least brown <laughs> face yes yes there's plenty of brown face going on mm. not great but gandhi you know kind of one of ben kingley's um big roles for those of you for, for the younger listeners because i know we do have them He's the bad guy, sort of, in Iron Man 3. He's Trevor in Iron Man 3. But Gandhi, fuck you. <laughs> For the younger listeners, if you don't know, Gandhi's in Civilization, the game. He likes to nuke people. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yeah, Ben Kingsley. Not Gandhi, Ben Kingsley. Just, just, just. Um, and another film we've kind of talked about before as well, the Poltergeist franchise. Poltergeist 1 came out in 1982 as well. Mm. We have we have fixed Poltergeist in the past as well. Mm. So, uh, I still don't like it. Yeah, yeah, neither do I. I remember not liking it back then. <laughs> don't like it now. Don't like it, it on Blu-ray. We... Don't like it. That sums up your fucking collections, Doctor. I own it, but I don't like it. <laughs> yep. And the rest of these films are kind of classics, but I have no particular affection towards. So stuff like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Forty Eight Hours. Tootsie, Sophie's Choice. These are all classics, but I have no particular opinion either way. Most of them I haven't even seen, to be honest, but kind of had to include them considering all the Oscar nominations and incredibly high ratings and stuff like that. I have seen King of Comedy, a.k.a. the the kind of predecessor to Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. The thing that inspired Joker in a weird way. So thanks, King of Comedy, but no thanks, King of Comedy. (laughs) That's why Robert De Niro is in Joker because it's the whole thing and yeah it's it's a yeah Scorsese De Niro you know classic combination I was got the verdict and to round things off a classic which I've also not seen but there's an incredibly famous scene from An Officer and a Gentleman which is the, yeah. again a thing I've seen referenced in many different things including The Simpsons yeah <laughs> <laughs> drink but I have never seen the original <laughs> um, so yeah as Someone who's seen all of those, I think. Fuck you. <laughs> no, no, that's not me being an arrogant prick. That's me saying. Oh I yes, think... I've seen every single one of those films. I've seen everything. Uh, no, I think I think all of those, the final ones that Jack's read off, I think all of them still stand up quite well. Whereas other things, you go, oh, I don't know if I'll go back and revisit that one. 
But no, I think most of those are pretty... Fast Times at Ridgemont High is very much a specific niche thing that started something, mostly Sean Penn's mm. career. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're still solid releases and very good performances, etc. So yeah, that's 1982 mm. for you a, all. A very fine year. Before, before any of us were born. My God. Even me. Even, well... Before, in this particular before, incarnation I was going to say, before this incarnation of Stogdom. Yeah. yeah. I was still before they cracked the... open the sarcophagus and released... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was still hibernating in my sarcophagus. <laughs> Do not disturb until 1984. <laughs> anyway, mm. how about you, Matt? What's your first pick for an amazing year so, of film? 20th century. Let's have a moment, a brief, brief moment of dead silence here, just dead air. Just let the audience go... Fucking hell, we're going to the 50s, aren't we? Or the 30s. Oh, Christ. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Fuck you, you're wrong. Um, I would if I'd go for like 1954 or something or 50. There's some really good stuff uh, and it's very hard to pick. However, whenever someone has said to me, when's the best years of films? As they are wont to do very frequently in the streets before the COVID pandemic. People will just stop you. It's crazy. Just stop me and say, excuse me, sir. You look like you understand. What was the best year for film? No, I, I, I remember it because I lived through it. But also more importantly, at the time, it, a couple of years later, when you start watching more things on DVD and, and things released, you think, this is a really good year for film. And you think, oh, that must be bull- that bullshit. You were like 15 or 16 at the time. Maybe it's because you were just, as Tim's always pointed out, we always refer to this specific phrasing, your critical mind comes online. Maybe that's what it was. Nope, just turns out it was a fucking fantastic year for films. <laughs> the year I'm talking about is 1999. Ooh. The closing of the 20th century. So I've gone, just because I have, alphabetically. Oh, fuck off. Of course <laughs> so you they're just in alphabetical order here. To be um, fair, then, mine was in like order of my preference, essentially. That's so fine. I'm, I'm, that. I'm, I'm none to talk. Yeah. So the first one is actually something we referenced very, very recently, which is 10 Things I Hate About You in our Shakespeare mm, episode. Yes. I think that's a very solid film. Mm. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because we were talking about it quite a lot, obviously, a minute ago. Um, controversial slightly just because of the nature of the lead actor in this movie, American Beauty, one best picture. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey um, vehicle. Kevin Spacey, unfortunately. But it's Boop. still a very well-made film and it, and it did a lot for uh, instructing people how to do certain things. The soundtrack, very importantly, moved on yeah. and things. It was very good, but it was also looking back a little trite at times, but still an important release nonetheless. Audition. Takashi Miike film, uh, the one that kind of put him on the map as far as the West is concerned, <laughs> which is uh, very much like if you turn it off at a certain point, just a nice film about a lonely old man who wants to, get, <laughs> wants to have a, like, a, a date or just hang out with some, a, a nice lady, meet someone nice. She's got a bag in her room. It's not, don't worry about that. <laughs> but uh, no, Audition is fucked up and brilliant and amazing. And if you haven't seen Audition and you're not exactly squeamish, Seek it out. Uh, being John Malkovich was important as well. Bloody hell, that film. It, yeah, being a Kaufman sort of film. It, well, obviously directed by Spike Jones specifically, but um, kind of put, it put, was again put, put both of them on the map, really. Yes, precisely. And again, it's it's one of the things that I don't know. Maybe ninety nine something about it. I don't know necessarily. After you had a lot more independent festivals getting certain things into the cinema, people wouldn't usually be watching. In addition to big blockbusters like Independence Day in previous years and such, so people were watching a few weirder films shall we say not i should point out initially this was the rise of i think dvd sales uh, like we talked like donnie darko a little while ago i never stopped 1999 but bear with me a second so the idea that for some reason people just all watched it not necessarily in the cinema but they were all watching it on on home video release and they were like why is this appealing to everybody why are they in the same way that twin peaks is a success how the fuck who knows why or even game mm. of thrones being john malkovich is still a really good film i think it still holds up really well although of of, of kaufman's written stuff and his directed stuff later. Um, it's not not the best, but it's still really, really, really good. The Blair Witch Project gets a lot of flack. 
Not everyone likes it. And they're Do you wrong. like snot, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of it in this film. I think I, it's brilliant. I, I don't like it much at all. Oh, I like it a lot. I think I think at the time, it was the marketing campaign behind it was very clever. Mm. Hugely um, influential, I think just in terms of like... It, incredibly yeah, so. found footage. Handheld, sort of captured found footage things. Exactly, yeah. Um, very important film in that regard. Um, I think it still holds up personally because it's so, it's so gritty and simple. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe now looking back because it's just, it, it, if you to explain to someone this is a, you know this is an important horror movie. Oh, you don't see anything, and that was a big <laughs> thing that when at the end of Blair Witch Project, a lot of people were pissed off they didn't see anything, yeah. and I was like, that was what made that good. That's I the enjoyed whole point that. of that film. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that it was different. That's kind of like mm. you have to remember the horror at the time was. Yeah, getting a bit of a bit of a rise, but mostly it had been like multiple sequels um, from obviously all the, the 80s stuff. The Halloween, the 55 yeah. and all Which that kind of shit. Then yeah. gave rise to Scream and the, and the meta-commentary yeah. stuff on it, but nothing was trying... It was always sort of very self-aware. This was one of the first big, we're going to actually do something different. It was a lot... I think around that period, you had a lot of scream derivatives you had like urban legend and i know what you did last summer which which had taken the thing that busted all the conventions of horror movies and then turned them into new genre conventions correct yeah precisely and this was maybe not the first because i'm sure i'm wrong on that but the thing that popularized like the found footage thing Mm. it was definitely the thing that popularized it yeah it's it's the it's the earliest example i can think of which is Mm. now Again, as you said, Tim, very innovative at the time, and now it's a trope that's been overused horribly by this genre. <laughs> yep. Uh, next, got a comedy uh, Kevin Smith, Dogma. I think Dogma's all right. I think it still holds up well. Yeah. It's one of his most my films. favorite Kevin Smith film. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's still really, really good. Yep. Brilliant cast. A lot of interesting observations. Uh, Damon and Ben Affleck are fantastic in that film. Yeah, mm. it's a good film. Um, the Emperor and the Assassin is awesome. Awesome film from China with Gong Li. Um, I mm. really like that. I won't go into it too much because I think people should just genuinely seek it out. I've not seen it. I'm, I'm intrigued. No, I recommend it. Eyes Wide Shut, controversially, um, um, Stanley Kubrick's final film before he died. Not AI. You mean AI? Um, <laughs> you mean the first um, 40 minutes of AI? Yeah. And also, <laughs> allegedly, the, the reason that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman split up because, again, classically, Kubrick driving people to you know, d- d- really L- drill down the depths brutal of insanity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to really break apart your relationship as a couple o- o- on camera, obviously. <laughs> you know, no, 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 not, not like your real relationship. It's like, oh, okay. How do I, how just, do I get like your character to feel tortured? I don't know, but maybe like literally torturing the actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. At which point Michael Madsen just steps in and says, torture you. Torture yeah, it's a good idea. Oh, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> um, so I like Eyes Wide Shut. Um, the, the fucking censorship that the studio did with them they put like they censored all the sex I'm like fuck you um, again we talk about like uh, in our Patreon exclusive what we watched recently we're talking about the lovebirds and uh, the we you know the shorthand of anytime you see like a sex, creepy mm. mask or sex group you're always like oh eyes wide shut yeah. so it still had the impact it's still yep. a very important Kubrick film speaking as well of like underground people and be, people <laughs> being like you know underground groups and societies fight club Oh. Again, another one that bombed in the cinema, but fuck me, is an amazing film. Although, although, having read the Chuck Planet's various novels and enjoyed them at the time, and obviously Fincher, amazing yeah. director, Fight Club has more problems the more you go on and the more you go back to it. They're like, oh, this it's, is... It's also a film that has been taken literally in places where it's meant to be satirical. 
Yeah, you exactly. you took the words right out of my mouth, Tim. It's been adopted for all the wrong reasons by a bunch of dude bros. Precisely. Fuck yeah, let's fight each other and punch each other and stuff. Did, did, you know all the banks exploded in. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. But it's like fight and... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's real like, Project masculine Mayhem, shit, corporate right? America yeah, pro- and Project shit, Mayhem. Like, the, sa- the same you people became... who watch Wolf of Wall Street and go, fuck yeah, I want to be like those guys. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Loads it's like... of people did that. Yeah. And I hate people because of it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because you'd think the classic Goodfellas ending is like, well, this isn't a good thing. It's like, no, he's, he's on his porch at the end of it. It's like, yeah, that's that's not the, that's not the moral of, moral of Goodfellas. Anyway, the moral of Goodfellas is everything will be just fine. <laughs> moral of Goodfellas is shut up and have this tomato sauce. <laughs> so Fight Club again reinforced the fact that Fincher wasn't a one-shot success with with Seven and uh the game and things like that it's like oh no no he's not it's like no he is an important person to be there and then he did panic room which is fine then we got a very very different tonal shift with galaxy quest yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> like it was planned galaxy quest the unofficial star trek film i i think that that's probably i think that's on our list of uh films we'd like to see a sequel to at some point oh definitely um, yeah but Galaxy Quest was really good. And of course, can't really see it good now because you can't really do it without Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Galaxy Quest was a great uh, um, meta-commentary, like Scream in a way, meta-commentary on just all the science fiction tropes and of those kind of era TV stuff, um, Lost in Space and stuff. Yeah, I wonder if some of the younger listeners are like even aware of Galaxy Quest, if that makes sense. Because I feel like mm. I, I never hear it mentioned these days in terms of like, Oh yeah, you got to really go back and see. Recently. Yeah, um, the, but there you go. Fair the enough. Screen Screen Junkies made a documentary about it, didn't they? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. They they like got every, they did like a how it got made like kind of retrospective and things. And, yeah. yeah I, for the twentieth anniversary. I take back my previous comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. It's easy one that could easily have slipped. So you never know. Uh, unlike my next pick, which everybody fucking knows, Inside Out. Goddamn, being the you know nineties classic. Gamera 3, The Revenge of Iris. Oh, my favourite. <laughs> What's that you say? Don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't worry, one person listening does. Um, They're punching yeah, so, the air uh, right now. <laughs> damn right they are. Uh, yeah, so Godzilla is the, the big king kaiju of Japan. In second place is the big flaming turtle that is Gamera. <laughs> Gamera! <laughs> um, and uh, there was a sort of reboot of them in the in the late 90s. John Clark, one of our... Uh, producers on the show uh, lent me a box of it and uh, it's actually really oh, fucking so, good so JFC is the one person he's the one person <laughs> yeah, yes, most definitely yes yeah but um, the, the first one's pretty damn good a really really good um, 90s reboot I think second one's very entertaining third one though is fucking great it's just brilliant really well constructed a really good monster movie so I'd recommend that Arrow have got a new box out but it's £110 so I haven't got it yet yet been the keyword. Um <laughs> then we got Ghost Dog, a Jim Jarmusch film, Way of the Samurai with Forrest Whitaker. My mum's favourite film. Really? Which again, I, I think you've said that before and I've still my mum fucking that. loves Jim Jarmusch. She loves <laughs> Forrest Whitaker and weirdly enough, she loves the Wu Tang clan and freaks out every time Rizza shows up. She's like, oh my God, it's Rizza and just absolutely loves it. He's the guy at the end. Can you believe it? it's Rizza from the Wu Tang? Where both my parents are like, it's Rizza. Oh my god, he's having ice cream with Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> has she seen um the Dead Don't Die yet? Yes, she where has. Yeah. Rizza runs uh, a delivery service called WhoPS. Yes, <laughs> shouldn't be good, but I love it. <laughs> uh, Ghost Dog is actually very influential as well. Again, they're pushing the whole I, idea of again. I grew up on it, but I fucking love yeah. that film. It's good. I, I enjoy it a lot. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, Hitman with 
a sort of Bushido mindset. Fucking. It's Ghost. Brilliant. Is it? Is it Way of the Samurai as the subtitle? In yes, some Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai. Yeah, yeah. I think is the official full title. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Massively underrated film. Go. Mm, I like Go. Yeah, it's Doug Lyman, I think, and um, it's it's again, it's the kind of thing you're like, oh, who's in it? And then you list off the names and think, holy shit, tons of people in it. And it's um, it's very Tarantino esque in that it's very broken up in its structure. So it's also a Christmas movie, um, and it's about a wacky sort of trip to Las uh, to Las Vegas and back, and multiple people and Katie Holmes and a lot of bits of people and drug runs, and it's very cool and very '90s in a way, but it's actually really fucking good. Yeah, it's kind, like of, it. it's kind of in it. it's just... if you applied Tarantino sort of Tarantino without the nostalgia and kind of more Ooh, aimed at yes. youth culture. Tarantino via Soderbergh. I wonder if that works. Mm. Ooh. It's, it's worth worth seeing. It is. It is. It genuinely is. I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, we also then have The Green Mile, which I think a lot of people have seen know full well as a fantastic movie. Classic. Frank Darabont, obviously, Shawshank Redemption is amazing. Green Mile is his other great fucking prison drama. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, prison drama Stephen King adaptation yes yeah, um, specifically that yeah Green Mile's still cutting and still beautiful and for a lot of people their favourite film and I can completely understand why we always say like oh it, every film is someone's favourite film if it's The Green Mile I'm like yeah fair play that's a that's a genuinely Tom Hanks at the height of his power having a problem pissing it's brilliant um, and my late great Michael Clark Duncan as well an amazing absolutely fantastic so yeah yeah you got The Hurricane with um, Denzel Washington as box turns prisoner in The Hurricane that's all very good. The Insider, that's a film with uh, Russell Crowe. It's a Michael Mann movie. That's very, very good. Uh, the Iron Giant. Oh, fantastic so gut mm. punch. Yep. Again, didn't do well at the time mm. at all because of another film that came out at the same time and everyone went to watch. Pretty sure they were released at the same time. I can't remember. It was Star Wars, but I'm not going to bring that up on the list. By the <laughs> way, I should point out, Phantom Menace came out. Phantom Menace isn't on my list. I'm sorry. <laughs> but still worth <laughs> it. It's worth... It's worth noting. It's worth it? mentioning because yeah. it was huge. It was a Star Wars. It was, yeah. it, was, it was at that point the first new Star Wars. Yeah. But that's all I'll say about it. Uh, <laughs> what I will talk about is a film that didn't get received very well by anybody and nobody likes it, but I do, uh, which is Jean d'Arc or uh, Jean of Arc, uh, The Messenger, as it's called in America and things like that, with the Luc Besson period action. Mm, is that Milojovic as Joan of Arc? Milojovic yeah. as, uh, as, yes, exactly, as Jean of Arc. And. Um, it's actually, I like it. I think the score is really good. It's really interesting. It's a bit long, bloated, and a bit Baba's house. Uh, John Malkovich does a French accent, so you know it's going to be good. Dustin <laughs> Hoffman plays maybe God. I'm not entirely sure. But I think it's I think it's got a lot of really good stuff in it. You are selling the hell out of this film to me. John Malkovich is French, and Dustin Hoffman might play God. So that. that's all you need. Half hour runtime. Milojovic is screaming randomly also works really well on this because she's, you know, the maiden of Leon. It's good. Jinro. So there's an, uh, um, a manga, which is an ad- adapted to a anime in 1999 called Jinro about this sort of uh, very police state run society. It's, it's, it's got a very distinct image of like, almost like the stormtrooper, very Fallout style, almost Nazi style helmets with the big red glowing eyes. It's very distinct visuals. It was then remade as a South Korean movie a couple of years ago, I want to say maybe 2017, 2016, called Jinro the Wolf Brigade. Yeah. Um, but... Um, the, the anime is really, really good. And I recommend that too. That's actually really good. And again, in a time where people dress up in, you know, full military gear and patri- p- p- uh, police patrol the streets, it's, it's a good one to watch just, uh, just as, as an alternate dystopian future that we may be living in. Speaking of people going around with guns and leather jackets and shit, The Matrix came out and oh, blew yeah. everyone's fucking minds. Nice. And again, at this point, obviously whipped through quite a few titles and already some of these are very high, if not 
let's face it, on people's like my favourite film or the most yeah. influential movie I've ever seen, kind of like the 1982 one. We also have The Mummy, which again, as we know, is apparently oh, critically panned, so but good. fucking amazing as far as we're concerned. We fucking love that film. Sexual awakening everybody. <laughs> uh, the other day, the other day I saw it was a, uh, a set of gifts of the bit where Brenda Fraser knocks like baseball bats the mummy's head with the sword and then turns around and goes mummy's hey and then gets grabbed and pulled off screen and I just yes. had to watch it loop several times because I was just like that's just so fucking good. His his He's expressions are so great. <laughs> it's it's the facial stuff. It's the it's the whole swagger bravado of how he's standing he's, ugh, that man Brendan Fraser is massively underrated but yeah <laughs> Mummy's great a film that a lot, lot, lot of people like but I think is again very good is The Ninth Gate it's a mm. Roman Polanski film again about... let's not dwell on that too yeah. much isn't it also it a Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp film <laughs> yeah lots of, lots of terrible people in these 1999 yeah. films but it's got Frank Langella in it and Frank Langella's fucking amazing he's Skeletor he's Quick, Skeletor quickly google Frank Langella allegations <laughs> nah he's probably alright he'll be fine you can never tell these days, but he's probably all right. He was Dracula, so he's fine. So yes, it's it's a film about uh, a book, or multiple books, versions of a book called The Ninth Gate, written by Satanists, basically. And the idea that if you collect certain pages, you can summon the devil. And it's this, this sort of road trip around Europe. And it's nice because it's one of those movies I watched the time and thought, fuck, this actually looks like Europe. Not, ah, here we are at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> so it was a good representation of Satanist Europe. <laughs> 1999. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty decent. Another cult classic uh, from Mr. Mike Judge, Office Space. That one a great took film. the fuck off. Yeah, that one went drilled into people's subconscious. Um, Office Space is fantastic. I think it's... I don't think I need to sell that one because I think, again, yeah. we are all aware of how good that is. Horror film that I love, and I always talk about this as an underrated film. We talked about it recently in um, the listener feedback episode, in fact. Uh, Ravenous. Uh, Antonia Bird, who sadly passed away a little while ago. Film about cannibals, Guy Pearce, Robert Carlyle, tons of awesome people. Uh, Ravenous is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's also a really good commentary about the nature of manifest destiny and the American attitude and the idea of how you're consuming everything and you will literally become your own, the, the worst enemy you can become, this cannibalistic society that is America and consumerism and blah, 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 blah. It's very good. My, my friend Gwen in high school was obsessed with that film, weirdly. And rightly so. It is, it's a thing, it's a good film to obsess over, to be fair. And a fucking amazing score. Um, a German film that's fantastic, again, informed a lot of other things, uh, launched a lot of careers, would be uh, Run, Lola, Run. I love that movie. That's such an interesting visual release. And it's basically <laughs> three different timelines, shall we say? Mm. Three different structures. Um, parts of it's animated, parts of it's just... It's so, it's so again, so very 90s and German and frenetic and... The main performance is is so weird and brilliant, and it's it's fantastic. Go watch Run Lola Run or Lola Run. It's, it's genius. Sixth Sense launching the career of M Night Shyamalan and all his twisty twists. The Sixth Sense was a big thing in school that people would just want to spoil for you. <laughs> oh yeah, Bruce Willis is a ghost. That that's one of those again. If you want to say like one of the big spoilers, oh, what's a spoiler? Bruce Willis is a ghost because people know enough now through osmosis or otherwise. Oh, sorry, Matt, like, is that a twist? Because the, the dog isn't female. It is a reveal of a twist, you bastard. Um, so Sixth Sense, very good. Uh, another one that's uh, another Johnny Depp film, but I think one of Tim Burton's best. Yeah, Sleepy I, I Hollow. Say that. Yeah, I love that movie. I still love it. I'm, I remember going to the cinema. It was the UCI at the time in Norwich, where I thought it came Odeon. Very unassuming. Didn't know what I was getting myself in for. Just like, oh yeah, a new Tim Burton film. I was like, oh Edward Scissorhands kind of thing. It's like, I fucking love that movie. It was fantastically done. 
great supporting cast in that as well. Entirely. Like, on top of Depp and in- uh, Ricci. Yeah, it was a great supporting cast, great stunt stuff, very nice visuals. It was a brilliant film. Equally, what I really enjoyed as well, because as a big South Park fan, was South Park, the movie, South Park, bigger, longer and uncut. That was very silly because it was so irreverently funny. And at the time, South Park was still being censored on TV. So I heard them say fucking stuff and then being censored. It was um, not that the commentary was much like it is now where it's become a hugely satirical thing, but it was just, it was great. It was really good. A film I'm pretty sure Jack has already mentioned he likes quite a bit. Three Kings. Yes. That one, again, surprised a lot of people. George Clooney was a rising star. I mean, he was big on TV, but this was cementing mm. him as more as a film guy. And Three Kings is fantastic. I think it's really good. Titus. Some people might not know about. It's um, an adaptation of Titus Andronicus, come back to Shakespeare again, mm. starring Anthony Hopkins. Titus Andronicus is one of my favourite mm. Shakespeare plays because it's the most fucking Game of Thrones <laughs> Everything you think, oh my god, Game of Thrones is so edgy. Fuck you. <laughs> Titus Andronicus did it first. And raped his daughter and they cut off her hands and put sticks in there and they cut her tongue out so she couldn't tell anyone about it. It's like that's that's hardcore shit. And there's also like still pales by comparison to what actually happened in real history. And then, you know, the revenge of the father is to bake his adversary's kids into a pie and then feed it to them. That's just that's brilliant. A lot a lot of people might know not know Titus, but they'll uh, recognize the music when they hear it. They will. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that on, uh, I think, our 300 episode where they got into a legal dispute with the whole thing, yeah. And finally, last thing I'll mention, of course, it's Star Wars. No, he did Star Wars. Um, no, it's Toy Story 2. Again, one of the greatest sequels of all time. Amazing. Unless you're an idiot. <laughs> um, Toy Story 2 is fantastic. Uh, no one expected a sequel to be good. Pixar fought so hard for this to be a cinematic release, and it was bloody brilliant. Mm. Introduced a lot of really core cool characters and things. So, yeah, 1999 for me. And I know I've got another one listed. And I still, actually, when I was going through it again, thinking, shit, I'm glad I picked this one because this is a fantastic year. But 1999, genuinely astonishing year for film. So, I have the oldest pick oh. of, of our bunch. And I will hold my hands up and say, there's quite a few of these that I have never seen. But the year that I have picked, we're back far enough that these are things that. As much as we've said, you know, we've obviously we point at stuff like Blade Runner, and um, you know, you can even uh, look at stuff from nineteen ninety nine and go like Blair Witch Project and go like that's hugely influ- influential. Like yes. the period I'm going back to, these are things that like literally like launched whole art movements that now have great bodies of like critical work, <laughs> like entirely, analyzing entirely. them and and stuff like that. I have found to- footage horror movies. <laughs> yeah, I sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll one-up you with entire art movements. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I have picked 1960. I've kind of broken mine down into, into little kind of categories. So my first first one is okay. uh, foreign language uh, or non-English slash uh, American films. La Dolce Vita. Which, like a long film. A long, <laughs> a long film. A One of those ones with so many like iconic scenes in it that, that's become kind of imagery that's just baked into western civilization you know kind of pop culture now well yeah obviously when anyone thinks about italy they still think of a lot of things specifically from the vita and like the, you know the trevi fountain kind of stuff and splashing yes. around it's like that kind of imagery of men in suits with mopeds and all that shit and yeah hopping over to france eyes without a face which mm. is a french sort of psychological horror film yeah. um about a plastic surgeon uh, and is it it's... Franju who directed that? I think it is. Franju? Franju? Yeah. 
I try, uh, a lot of this stuff is going to be me nodding along when I, oh, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm, yeah, no, 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 because because there's going to be a, because there's stuff I haven't seen. It's going to be me saying yes. film and then Matt going, oh yes, this this this, and me going, oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> oh Matt. yes, I remember it well. Um, uh, yes, no, I'm, I'm yeah, it, it, I'm pretty sure it got remade with Antonio Banderas at one point. It's, yeah, it's the of... the skin I live in, the Almodovar yes. film is yes. like hugely influenced by it, and there's 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 a whole bunch of films that it has hugely influenced because it's it's such a uh, it kind of ties into these theories of like kind of uh, uh, artificiality and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. image and stuff like that. That that are it's very, very haunting as a release. Yeah. yeah. Um, also from France, uh, Breathless or. Um, mm-hmm. A Buddha souffle, or however you pronounce it, but basically, like I'm sure our French-speaking listeners will tell us. Cause yeah, <laughs> motherfuckers always do. Uh, <laughs> basically, kind of like one of the launching of the new wave of kind of mm. pop culture over there, hugely influential on the rest of the '60s. Well, Godard is is, is a friend. If, yeah. if you have to name a French director, some people will never eventually talk Godard, and uh, obviously, Breathless is a prime example of yeah. his work. So, yeah, uh, and then finally. The, f- I believe, final film of Fritz Lang, yeah, uh, yeah. the Thousand Eyes of Doctor Mabuse mm. or M- Mabuse, possibly Mabuse, I'd say, yeah, yeah, Mabuse. I think it's one of the things where, we, um, there have been so many versions of this because there's the various installments of these kind of mm. films. Um, I'm always surprised it hasn't come back yet as a franchise. Yeah, definitely one worth seeking. Although not, not, I wouldn't say this one's worth seeking out specifically because again, it's the installment mindset, but mm. definitely, um. Um, it's in the same way that like Sherlock Holmes kind of thing. It's it's a character or universe, as it were, that keeps sort of regurgitating and reappearing in different forms. It's not always the exact same character, yeah. like Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man kind of thing. It's yeah, yeah. Hopping over to Britain and taking kind of a specific look at some British films coming out. Mm. Uh, the League of Gentlemen, a kind of classic Ealing comedy, like crime, but it's funny caper film. Very much kind of obviously like the sixties were this kind of Britain after the Second World War kind of finding its feet again and having this image of cool that was, you know, driven by the youth culture in London. And I think mm. this is part of that, this kind of sense of humour uh, about things. But also Peeping Tom, a kind of iconic mm. horror film, slasher film um, that kind of pioneered a, a lot of stuff Um about kind of voyeurism and and stuff like that tapping into those ideas is that where the phrase comes from or is does the phrase no. proceed the film no okay. but i believe the it, phrase is capitalized on in the film yeah it's it's one of the first i believe films that kind of did it has these sequences where it's like handheld point of view camera which was obviously very difficult to do back in the 60s yes um like following these kind of basically putting you in the eyes of this stalking this peeping tom um kind of following these women around and and was kind of famous for the there were kind of both technical hurdles that it overcame but also like how creepy mm. it was basically it, it it had been done officially before but it was the novelty of making it doable for the public in that way in, in the film mm. i think it made it stand out yeah and like like everything mm. someone's done it before but you did it in a way that everyone sort of went oh shit and yes. sat up and watched and yeah yeah speaking of horror the village of the damned uh, the mm. adaptation of the the Midwich Cuckoos with the iconic blonde-haired children all speaking in unison and t- telekinetic their style. way through yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through England countryside, and then something very different. Saturday night and Sunday morning, 
um, mm. starring a young Albert Finney and the kind of the right something that kind of popularized the idea of the kind of angry young man film uh, that kind of became popular in in kind of British cinema, but just like yeah. a, a look at kind of youth culture and also kind of working class life that was kind of considered a little bit revolutionary at the time, certainly from kind of the British post-war sensibility. Um, and then finally, I shall leap over to America, where we have stuff that's kind of a bit more high profile and and glamorous. The Apartment, Billy Wilder, um, again, comedy, amazing, like one of the all time greats that's, you know, still holds up nowadays and still is held up as a kind of one of these perfect scripts. It, it does have a caveat with it, which is it does have a fucking atrocious Mickey Rooney performance. I feel like every Ricky Mooney, every Mickey Rooney performance is an atrocious one. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's because I think they were like again classic. It's it's, it's one of those like, like oh, it's of the time. Mm. It's it's not um, you know it's it, it, innocent yada yada. It's like mm. nope, it's it's offensive as shit. It always has been. It always will be. Yeah, and it's like yellow faced yeah. awfulness and it's like what do we do put him in some glasses and a squinty face and giant teeth and it's like oh god yeah but the film's still genius yes uh, barring those moments um speaking of genius psycho yeah uh, and to, you know talk about influential possibly one of the, the most iconic horror films of all time like easily easily you know. yeah. I, I watched it literally a few days ago and it's still fucking brilliant and just in terms of like even stuff like how uh, how Hitchcock promoted it and the whole you know it's, oh. it's possibly the birth of spoiler culture uh, yeah, you know yeah. don't don't, don't give away the this. ending it's the only one we've got <laughs> we discussed this in our um patreon exclusive discussion on film trailers um about how it's presented and marketed and all that sort of stuff so uh, go check that out if you're on, a, on that specific tier but um psycho by the way also spawned three sequels so don't worry we'll yeah. come back to that soon enough <laughs> and a weird gus van sant shot for shot remake, shot for shot remake. oh that's yeah. such a weird remake <laughs> yeah good lord um some slightly pulpier stuff uh, i'll bundle these two together the lost world and the time machine one good one less good if you ask me yeah um, but both kind of interesting both for their, important in a way. Both, yeah. yeah, Time Machine won an Oscar for its special effects. Which we mentioned on our time travel episode not too long ago. Yes. And yeah, Lost World was less good. Uh, I believe that's the one that features stuff like iguanas with some extra stuff stuck on them. Uh, yep. They re-released it on TV when Jurassic Park 2 was coming out. and went, oh, wow! Oh, this looks like cruelty to animals. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of fucking was. Uh, but still charming in its way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a couple Fuck of big ones uh, to finish. Spartacus. I feel like we should say I'm Spartacus. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. No, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. But, but I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> As one person says in the movie. <laughs> Spartacus. Get back to the Bronx. <laughs> ah, Spartacus. And the Magnificent Seven. Ah, uh, uh, remake. You know, one of the best remakes. One of one of the best remakes. Mm-hmm. Not as good as Seven Samurai, but still. Nope. Still genius. Your Brenner wears the hell out of a hat. So, a lot of stuff that possibly you know people listening won't have seen, but I think that a lot of people will have heard of in terms of the impact that it's had. And I agree. You know, I think when when stuff is sixty years old and you can still point at it and go like it's that old and it still holds up you know that it's lasted the test of time i mean it doesn't it may not 
sound it because you know maths. That's genuinely like sixty years ago. Yeah, that's a lifetime yeah. ago. When you yeah. when you said that, I was like, oh god, yeah, that is sixty years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think of. Yeah, it's double. Well, not my age, but double my age. <laughs> double most. Yeah, double. Literally, Jack doubles like age. So Jack's entire life lived twice over is when they were making these movies. That's Fucking that's that's hell. mental. Yeah, yeah. It's those <laughs> those films are closer to when cinema as a medium was invented than they are to present day. <laughs> Oh, man had not walked on the moon at this point. Yes. <laughs> God, that's a weird thing. Jesus. But we haven't really walked on it since. So, you know. Some people think we still haven't. Ah, uh, twats. So, flashing forward to the 21st century. Flashing my bits. Flashing my my private parts. Like, hey, <laughs> why don't you jump in my H.G. Wells time machine and jump forward to the uh, future? Well, well, wells. Mm, clever, Tim. Clever. I'm travelling... Exactly, for some reason, 30 years into the future from 1982 to the the year that was supposed to be the end of the world. 1997. 1997. No. I can't do maths. <laughs> 2012. And I'm not talking about that fucking piece of shit disaster movie. 2012. It's garbage. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not talking about that film. It's not 2009. I'm talking about the year 2012. Specifically, the films that came out in that year that are really fucking good, such as, oh, I don't know, The Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> the film that made it all possible. Clay, case closed. Motherfuckers. Case closed. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite films, which uh, we have talked about on this show as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I'm doing, apparently. It's apparently, just Jack talks about the films he's already talked about. In the previous episode, a sequel we'd like to see, this is... Very much a film I'd like to see a sequel to. Dread from 2012, which I fucking adore. And as you all know, amazing. Go and listen to that episode if you want to hear us go on about how good that film is. Another film that is basically the same, but not, yeah. is The Raid. <laughs> <laughs> AKA The Raid Redemption in certain, um, I yeah. think it's that in America. Mm. Um, yeah, fantastic film. Kind of like Dread, but not futuristic. Replace futuristic stuff with in- Indonesian martial arts and you'll be fine <laughs> Love some that people film. might be spitting feathers at this point saying it's not a 2012 film uh, it Do came out know? in the UK in 2012 so there we go <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was originally released in 2011 in Indonesia when it had its premiere but it came out over here in 2012 so yeah there you go I'm I'm, I'm escaping the, the pedantry of, of our listeners thank god it's fair it's fair <laughs> Um, another film I really love and I think is one of the best bomb films we've had this century, this 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 side of the mm-hmm. know, of the, the 2000s is Skyfall. I absolutely love Skyfall. I enjoy Skyfall. And uh, yeah, um, Spectre is a thing I don't want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just leave it with Skyfall. Skyfall's great. Yeah. We've had a Bond chat. We'll come back to that Bond chat. Yeah, later we will very up. much talk to Skyfall in the in the second Bond episode, which we'll get to in a future interseason episode as well. Next year? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Season seven runs yeah. to January. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometime next year, we'll talk about that. Don't worry. Mm. Another film I really love and kind of came out of nowhere for me, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. That's a great movie. Absolutely love that film. Uh, if you're into horror and kind of like, as you mentioned, like subverting genres and all that kind of stuff. Really, really fun. Really, really stupid. And just really well made and cool and has an ending I think I will remember for the rest of my life. 
because <laughs> they actually it's one of those they actually fucking did it kind of endings yeah you know? that kind of blew my mind the the system purge moment is one of those things yes. that i can just oh, go yeah. back to on youtube and just be like i'm just gonna watch that again because it's so much fun yeah. <laughs> it's a big horror film fan uh board of stuff unless they're like very niche horror fans like i don't like it i don't know what it says fuck you there's lots of cool visual stuff it's got a unicorn and stuff it's great it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I hear they're still trying to get a sequel to that. Really? I how? Apparently, I don't know how. Because the first why, one but... was in production hell for years. And exactly. Like, it was filmed in like 2009. It was like Fury Road, where it was filmed like years and years beforehand, and was. Just I may have mentioned before that I was doing... at a, a audience screening for a test load of stuff for for Thor, the first Thor film. Ah, yeah. And they were talking about this film, Cabin in the Woods, and I was like, Oh yeah, I worked with the just Joss before, and I've been. I can't talk about Avengers right now, that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, That's fine. Chris Hemsworth, by the way. So. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> and um, I always say, what's this cabin in the woods thing? Did we miss it? Have we seen this thing? It's like, oh, it's coming out like later. And then I had a screening for it. I thought, this is fucking brilliant. Because yeah. that was before Hemsworth was a huge star. Yes. Yeah. Like, But by the time it came out, he was a huge star. So it felt like a big deal. And it was like, oh, yeah. interesting. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Another film I think is really... Not underrated, but I really, really love and kind of flies under the radar for a lot of people. Is Wreck It Ralph? Yeah, Wreck It Ralph. I really like Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, it's if you're into your video games and a good bit of like heartwarming family fun and stuff, love a bit of Wreck It Ralph. Sure. See the sequel? Uh, no, I haven't yet. No. Yeah, that's all right. Sequelizers, yeah. <laughs> future future sequelizers episode. There we go. Yep. Next up, I would argue this is about to get controversial, listeners. Tarantino's last good film, Django Unchained. Oh. Controversy from from Jack Chambers there. there. Leave leave that leave that hanging. I mean, how many films has he released since Django Unchained? Once Upon a Time, Hateful Eight. Just those uh, two. Just those two. Is it just those two? Yeah, yeah. Both of those. I, are, I actually agree. I think those two are quite don't flat. Like, I, so I, I particularly yeah. either of those films. So yeah, I I I wouldn't I necessarily st- disagree I, with that. I stand by my decision. <laughs> my potentially hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I think is has flown on the radar for a lot of people, but. A person, again, we mentioned on a previous episode of mm. actors you just fucking love to watch on screen. I think it was Tim's pick from mm. the, a previous episode. The powerhouse that is Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in mm. The Master. Mm. Yeah. Just a well, captivating him and Joaquin film. Are just so good. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix as well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the few films I like Amy Adams in. I know I'm banging on about Amy Adams. <laughs> like, she's fine, but she's really good in this film. Yeah. She is. Um, have you seen the foot? There was footage that went around Twitter recently of the two of them filming a scene and just kept it's during when they're I think doing like the the Scientology oh, conditioning conditioning shit. thing yeah. um, and it's just the two of them busting up laughing trying to get this line out <laughs> as as it's like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman like he like lights up a cigarette and sort of says something like uh, like oh I like this this kind it's smooth and every time he does it they just both burst out laughing. <laughs> Oh, that's really nice. And crushing. Yeah. I'll have to seek that out. Definitely. Next up, a film again we've talked about on the show before. We've touched <laughs> upon mm. a very underrated film, in my opinion. And I think you guys agree with me as well, which is I like unusual. It. I like it a lot. I think it was terribly fucking marketed, but is actually a pretty decent... And going back again to kind of the, the Conan era of this kind of like early fantasy and sci-fi stuff that is a bit more mythical and over the top and ridiculous. Space Tarzan. Space Tarzan, <laughs> a.k.a. John Carter. Yeah. Mm. Really good film. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. If you're up for a bit of like kind of, I mean, it's a Disney film, but it's not a Disney film, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's 
family friendly sci fi kind of stuff and uh has some really good performances in it and some some good some good action, some good CGI, some great world building on Mars and all this kind of stuff. Highly recommend it if you're in for a bit of sci fi action fun. I, I think it's a big in I mean, it's from literature. It's the fact that it's um a source of you know, comics have been inspired from the whole thing and various mm. books and spin-offs and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a universe that's been built up, you know, Basum, uh, the planet of Mars. Mm. And I think it's it's ripe for an adaptation. And this wasn't a bad one, in my opinion. It could have done multiple sequels and been really interesting and a bit of a spin-off universe. It's just much like, I think this actually killed Tron 3 because of how this performed, I want to say. This, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're not doing these. We're not doing these big budget random things we're doing, I think. Um, but... Next up, something a little bit more miserable. Literally, Les Miserables from our old buddy, Tom Hooper. <laughs> you hold it. You're holding this one up as evidence of a good year, are you? Uh, I, I still think Les Miserables is a good film. I, I enjoy I'm this film. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy this film because I like Les Mis. Let's not talk about Russell Crowe. Everything else. <laughs> Like you know, there's some there's there's some there's some good things in this film. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's alright. It good. fundamentally yeah. misunderstands how some of the music works, but that's but then the musical fundamentally misunderstands the book. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, the the book is completely different to yeah the, the musical, and the film is completely different to the musical. So there's, yeah, there's not enough miserable in this miserable movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, to some Academy Award winners, Argo. The Ben Affleck film, I think, is really, really good. I, I like Argo mm. a lot. I like Argo. I like Argo. It's a film I forget exists, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that is good. Yeah, yeah. People bang on about, like, oh, it was the wrong one that won that year, and I'm like, maybe it was, but I still like Argo. It's still a good film. Yeah, it was well yeah, made. It's good. Yeah. Life of Pi as well. A film I'm not huge on, but I know people fucking love, and people absolutely love it. Yeah, I know you love it, Matt. I do. Love love the visuals and the the, the, the storytelling. There's a scared of the whale in it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't, I'm not scared by the whale, and I don't care for it. So uh, maybe that maybe that's the secret. Maybe. If you like whales, you won't like this film. Uh, and uh, again, another underrated one, a nice little action movie, uh, Gina Carano starring Haywire. That we've, yeah. I think we've mentioned on the show as well, because I Tim, so. you really like Haywire. I think you mentioned it before. I, I really, yeah. The scene where she beats up Michael Fassbender is oh, like... So good. <laughs> re- like one of the better fight scenes of this past 20 years i agree i agree it's very fantastic it's an anime hello <laughs> one of the funnily enough films that are sequels to tv shows again a topic that we've covered in this yeah. show before mm-hmm. to one of my favorite anime if not my favorite anime of all time full metal alchemist brotherhood this mm. is full metal alchemist the secret star of Mylos, because of course it is sacred not secret secret yeah i said secret for some reason Seeping. The sacred star. The squeaky of star of Mylos. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If if you haven't seen it, first of all, go and check out Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I would argue it's one of the best, if not the best, anime series ever made. It's a good gateway anime to get into. It's it's really easy to get into. The world and characters are fantastic. So if you need some anime in your life and you haven't seen it, go and check out. Fair warning, within the first few episodes, there is a development when they meet an alchemist who's trying to perfect something and it's something that happens with his kid oh and dog yeah. and it is crushing yeah nobody needs that in their life nobody Don't. needs that 
but prepare yourself. Yeah, it's it's a it's an emotional journey with that show. Yes, yes, it is. Sorry. Another film that I think did get the recognition it deserved, but I think is worth mentioning as well, is Chronicle. The kind of dark take on a superhero slash villain origin story kind of thing. Unfortunately, gave us Josh Trank <laughs> and Fant Forstick. But it reminded people that uh, Michael B. Jordan existed. That's very true. Mm. Michael B. Jordan is fucking fantastic. And, just a kid and, and the, the Dane DeHaan can be a very good Dane DeHaan is fantastic. Dane DeHaan was the one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Both of them have gone on to good things and better things, thankfully. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, again, yeah. another found footage film, technically. Yes, it is, yeah. Mm. It's a found footage twist on a superhero film, which is... A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cool. I remember loving it back in uh, 2012 when I watched it, so... Yeah. It's still decent, still holds I don't up, I think, think I, I might have seen it once or twice since then, but yeah. Speaking of remakes and sequels to TV shows and <laughs> everything in between that, 21 Jump Street. I like these movies a lot. Hilarious. They, they help that these two films, 21 and 22 Jump Street, are maybe a million times better than they have any right being, because I went in with no expectations whatsoever, and they are both pretty fucking hilarious. I, I like movies that have strong supporting roles, which are rap artists and hip-hop artists as points of authority. <laughs> uh, like, I recently watched uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx with Method Man as a priest, and this has Ice Cube as a police captain. I'm like, give me, <laughs> give me more of this. I would like more of this. These, these things are hilarious. I want to basically eventually see oh, right. RZA you, as the president. Did you say fuck the police? No, no, <laughs> police captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Wes Anderson joint to to quote Spike Lee, uh, <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, a film Great I know film. a lot of people love. I really enjoy it as well. One of my favorite Wes Anderson films. I'm not a huge Wes Anderson mm. guy. I I get. I get fairly worn down by the the quirkiness fairly quickly, sure. but I do I do like Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. Uh, underrated Pixar film next, in my opinion, Brave. Love a bit of Brave. It was a really um, tricky one to get off the fucking ground. A lot of people don't like mm. bisecting because it feels a bit lost. Places, but I said it's really good. I enjoy it personally. I really like it. Yeah. The hair mm. is amazing. That's all you need to know. <laughs> the hair physics. Yeah, it's just yeah. absolutely crazy. Hair good, bear questionable. <laughs> I want to get that tattooed on my forearm. <laughs> From what we know of, of Jack, he won't because... I don't have any tattoos. He's scared of them. I'm horrendously scared of needles. Sweeping back round to some Channing Tatum action after mm -hmm. 21 Jump Street, the, the, the film that moistened a thousand vaginas across the world. <laughs> a million vaginas. <laughs> Oh, it did, though. It's the Fifty Shades of Grey of films without the Fifty Shades of Grey films. I don't even know if there's an equivalent for, for cis, straight, white dudes. What's the sort of like a, a genuinely interesting, dramatic Sexual awakening piece. for men. Yeah, but also, but it's overtly like, oh, look. Yeah. Sex. Yeah, because just to briefly pause on Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL for a second... They're way more like story driven and drama driven than they have any yeah, right being. Yeah, because I went into it like as a you know, it's the classic like, oh, your female partner or whatever, like your your partner who's interested in sexy men mm. dancing about. I said, Oh, let's watch Magic Mike and me being the heterosexual man I am, I'm like, ah, fine, whatever. I like Joe Manganiello, and I know there's a wrestler in there somewhere. I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> Kevin Nash is there somewhere. I'll have a Kevin good Nash is just hobbling around with his broken knees in the background somewhere. I've seen him in his pants for multiple matches over the <laughs> yeah, years. I might as well I've, see him and take him I've off. I've seen him being big, oiled, oiled up, muscly dude for like two decades now. I'll be fine. 
And then they're like, but can Mike's brother get off drugs? And like, oh my God, I don't know. What's going to happen to Mike's little brother? <laughs> it's Soderbergh. You suddenly get, He's great. Soderbergh, suddenly, yeah. Exactly. Suddenly get stuck into it and Magic Mike is uh, better than it has any right to be. But yeah. It's, it's, it's classically XXL. come for the exploitation and then stay for the drama. And it's like, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you come is. for the abs, stay for the drugs and drama. Yeah. Speaking of drugs and drama, I think a really fucking good cop movie. Speaking mm. of buddy cop movies from before, this is not quite a buddy cop movie in the same way. But <laughs> mm. End of Watch is a really, really damn good film. Yeah, solid think, performances uh, there. Really good performances. I like, flies under the radar for a lot of people as well. And uh, if you've not seen it and you're up for some kind of grounded, sort of, sort of realistic modern era police drama, police action kind of stuff. Highly recommend End of Watch as well. Coming back round to some time travel movies. <laughs> ah, bit of looper. Lovely bit mm. of prosthetics in this film. <laughs> we just love a big fake nose and a fake chin. Slap on the, the fucking <laughs> Bruce Willis mouth. Oi, <laughs> Joseph, put your eyebrows on, son. <laughs> Look more like Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, Looper's good. I don't know if it's as good as I remember it being. I wonder if I would like it as much on a rewatch. I don't think I've seen it since it came out. I, I rewatched but, uh, it. I'll re- uh, revisit it. Only a couple of weeks ago, actually. For the time travel movies one? Not specifically for that, oh, okay. uh, but but around then, it's an interesting one. It, I, there's there's a there's a lot going on there. I think it it's it's not structured particularly perfectly, mm. um, and it's a film where it's like time travel is kind of very important and then not important at all. That's that's an interesting kind of bridge to try and leap over. Um, but it, I, it's definitely interesting and great performances agreed speaking of great performances seven psychopaths another film i think flies under the radar for a lot of people featuring sam rockwell being amazing and a fucking tom waits performance that is just the weirdest most brilliant thing (laughs) tom waits put in a weird performance what no never he's got a weird voice and he's really eccentric and weird who knew (laughs) but yeah i seven psychopaths was a film i went into not knowing anything about I think I saw it on streaming after it came out, like a couple of years later, whatever it was. I was like, oh, this is Sam Rockwell, well, yeah, whatever. Holy shit, I'm really enjoying this. And I was amazed, like, I, I had no idea who directed it. I went in compl- as blind as I could, really. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it and surprised how, how much I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it since it came out, and I, I was a little disappointed with it when it came out. because Interesting. Because in Bruges, it's so fucking oh. good. Fucking um, love him, and Bruce. so I'd, yeah. I'd seen that, and I was then like on the lookout for the next film by that same you know team, and um, yeah, was was a little bit underwhelmed by Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, similarly, I um, love uh, McDonough stuff, both McDonough brothers, in fact, and um, I'd seen some of the plays and everything. And After and Bruce was such a great sister that whatever comes next will be amazing. And the thing that gut punched me about Seven Psychopaths was that I like a lot of it. There's a lot of very strong imagery. Problem is the central conceit is a writer, an Irish writer, who doesn't really know what he's going to do with his next film, but he's given been given a lot of money. And it's almost like telling a story and then at the end say, Should we just make it about this? What's just happened? Yeah, uh-huh. I guess so. And it's like, oh. And it, and it's that very much that idea of you didn't really have an idea, so you wrote about not having an idea. And that's sometimes not a bad exploration. That's quite interesting about the writer's a writer's mindset. But also I'm like, eh, it's fine. But again, um, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Fucking amazing film. So I will happily watch this and go, yeah, it's fine for what it is. And speaking of weird, eccentric performances, 
a film that I enjoy, but I have some problems with as well. Mm, same. Cloud Atlas, based on the book by David Mitchell. No, not that David Mitchell, <laughs> the other David Mitchell. Not the one who looks not- like me. <laughs> oh my god, you do kind of look like David Mitchell. Yeah. I never I never put that together. We got Is there is there a celebrity I look like cuz we got Richard O'Brien. We told you. You you know David this Mitchell. already. Do I? Yeah, you've always banged on about how you like Jack oh, Osborne and Seth Rogen. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I meant somebody good and interesting. <laughs> Sorry. Seth Rogen's good and interesting. Yeah, Seth Rogen's alright. Yeah, Seth Rogen's fine. Yeah. So yeah, Cloud Atlas. Weird film, lots of interesting choices of ethnicity for characters mm. and actors mashing I, I things up it's it a can... great exploration i just don't know and i don't even know if it's the technology but there's something just not there yet i think it's yeah. a really good exploration i think it's a really solid piece i think it's a really interesting piece especially from two individuals who have transitioned gender wise i think there's a lot to be said there about the idea of you can be anything you know historically throughout time reincarnation and things I think it's a really interesting talking piece. I think the problem is the execution of the film is like, yeah, I get that. But what I've just seen is Hugh Grant with kind of like with the fact that J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt does not look like a young Bruce Willis. He looks like a Bruce Willis mouthpiece is slapped on his face <laughs> in the same way that someone's slapped on almost a Mickey Rooney style caricature of an Asian person yeah. onto a Hugh Grant. And I was like, yeah. I get it. I can see where you're going. I don't think it works. Yeah. That's the problem. I've read the book. It works in the book. Yeah, it's less, less offensive, and it's a lot more subtle. So you don't just see like, oh, there's the dude who's got the same tattoo on his neck, and the next scene is like, yes, yeah, he's got a tattoo as well. I can see it on the screen. That's 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 less subtle than the book. You yeah. ever want to see okay. Hugo Weaving as a burly nurse? <laughs> <laughs> do With I? With a weird accent. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so yeah, that is 2012. A mixture of some of my favourite films ever made, much like 1982 is, and then some weird shit and mm-hmm. some stuff in the middle. Mm. <laughs> Still a good year. A good year. A good year. Yeah. A very good fine year. year. Good year. Matt, what's your 21st century pick, please, sir? Stumbling forward just a couple of years. The most recent. I'm going to be I'm gonna be a bold motherfucker. I'm going to say one of the most informative and painful years. Hmm. Of the 21st century thus far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, (laughs) fucking hell. This year is the year of the Brexit referendum, the year Trump got into the White House officially through the vote, as opposed to actually stepping through the door. 2016. A really odd fucking time. Lost a lot of great cultural figures during that year. Oh, yeah. Bowie Bowie went out in the first little while, I think it was Alan Rickman straight after him. Yeah. It was it was a really weird time, and believe it or not, that was four years ago, not forty five <laughs> years ago, as it fucking feels. <laughs> but as far as the cinema is concerned, it was punching above its weight. It was giving us some really, really fucking key stuff. I'm gonna bang out like a load of titles now. Um, and 2016, these should actually be one of those weird things that sort of exist in a state where you can actually get them quite easily. 1960, very hard to get a hold of. Maybe a Criterion Collection, so it's actually really expensive to get a hold of these movies. Um, 1999, yeah, you should have probably seen these, but it's very hard to see, you know, some of them might crop up on the old um, Netflix or something like that. 2012, yeah, fair few of those Mm. will be on Amazon Prime or Netflix. 2016, I wouldn't be surprised if almost always show up on streaming. So, first off, right out of the gate, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I'm not going to say anything about this movie. It is the best Cloverfield film by a country mile. 
Easily. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Uh, there's no competition from Paradox, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> True. Paradox um, is a pile of shit. Fantastically acted, very small chamber piece. Really well done. Very clever. We talked about this when I did when I was it when I brought up Cloverfield yeah. Monster, I think. Yes. We briefly talked no, about Ten Cloverfield Lane. Amazing performances. The less we say, the better. If you can go in, I know I always say this, if you can go in as blind as you can with this film, do. Yes. Because it has twists, it has turns. Again, fantastic performances. I love John Goodman so much. Oh, John Goodman's fucking, he's a powerhouse. He's amazing. Love it. Good choice. Mm. Next up, 20th Century Women. Uh, 20th Century Women, I'm pretty sure Tim brought up before. My favourite film of that year. Yeah. Um, Mm. It is a... When brought up in our favorite films of the decade, Chris. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it's a very solid film. It's really enjoyable. And again, it's one of those things you go back and think, holy shit, how many people are in this movie? Because star studded. And mm. again, seek it out, find it, watch it. Next, uh, The Age of Shadows, a uh, South Korean period spy film. It's, I think we actually, we have mentioned The Age of Shadows really, really briefly because I'm convinced Jack at one point said, are there any films with 100% Rotten Tomatoes? Was oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have and, said um, that a few times. Yeah, it's a, it's a Kim Ji-Woon film, and um, it's got uh, uh, Kang Ho Song and others be like that, but it's, it's, it's really fucking well done. It's a really cool 1920s spy thriller kind of thing um, with obviously the Japanese government uh, overseeing things in, the, in South Korea. Well, I keep saying South Korea. In Korea, the United back, Korea. Back <laughs> when it was Korea at the yeah, time, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's brilliantly made, really good. Another classic on our little uh, Denis Villeneuve suckfest <laughs> that we have very regularly. Um, Arrival. I remember drink. that film came out. The Villeneuve mention. <laughs> brilliant. I watched that in the mo- in the cinema and I said to my wife, you should have come with me. You'd have loved it. I can't talk about it with you. You'd have loved it. She went, oh, okay. And then it went out in the cinema like literally a couple of weeks later. Yeah, Gone. it was a really short release, wasn't it? Of course it was, because, you know, science fiction, mm. underrated. And then At least it got a theatrical release, I guess, that, on yeah, like Annihilation. Sorry, that's very, that's very <laughs> true. Um, and then my wife managed to get through without anything spoiled at all until I got it on the day of release of Blu-ray. And I went, nice. bang, watch it now. And so she was very happy about that, so that's, that was good. An anime film, The Boy and the Beast. There's a director, uh, Mamoru Hosoda. Hosoda. Hosoda, yeah. And he's directed a few things like Wolf Children and Mirai and various bits and pieces. He's he's very talented. And The Boy and the Beast is another one of his fine examples of a really solid, fun, but a very intelligent and emotion-driven um, family film. Then you've got L, as in E-double-L-E, the, the French <laughs> word L, which was... God, I don't remember the actor now. Uh, Paul Verhoeven Paul Verhoeven uh, again oh. a big powerhouse of the 90s everyone forgets Paul Verhoeven and he did this film and it was it was brilliant it was stupidly good again I'll say very little about it but um, I, I, I recommend you all seek it out um, then those fences Denzel Washington directed Denzel Washington's starred film mm-hmm. um, based on a play same name and Fences is brilliant that's a really good portrayal uh, of a type of individual and a very specific type of society at a very particular period of time in you know for African Americans in a particular size of America. Um Spence is great. Some people think it's a bit slow, a bit dull, but that's because again, it's the nature of a play. It's most of it's in a backyard with this old cantankerous bastard talking about how life has passed him by. But it's great. The Girl with All the Gifts is a really interesting British horror film that a lot of people might not know about. Glenn Close, Gemma Arterton, and lots of other people, and but these it's it's effectively a zombie film, I think is the best way to describe it. 
Um, there are those spores, for example, that sort of infect people. And But for some reason, and the way it's framed at the start where they introduce these kids, brilliant. But these kids are conscious and able to learn. Almost like Tourette-style, you know, ticks. They say things that don't really make sense. That's all. But as long as you wear this certain gel that you cover up your skin and they can't smell your, you know, human flesh, that they just are able to be taught and learn. And there's one kid in particular, and um, they're trying to reverse the virus and all that sort of stuff. And one person sees them as kids, other person sees them as, you know, I think they exploited. And it's just really well done. And the ending, it's fucking crazy. But anyway, go with all the gifts, seek it out. Um, Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, so controversially, Mel Gibson. (laughs) But Hacksaw Ridge is a really fucking good film. And my wife said, fuck that, I'm not watching it. It's a war film, I can't be asked." And fuck Mel Gibson. I said, I know, I know. But multiple people make a movie. Yeah, she's not wrong. But also, this is a good film. And we watched it and then said, that was really good. I really liked it. I kind of, I'm kind of angry. I liked that movie. Um, <laughs> Garfield's great in it. It's, um, yeah, it's it's well made constructed war film. I think it's it it, it should be it should be tired. It that's, should be that's Andrew Garfield, by the way, not the cat. not the, not the orange cat. Just to let you know. Yes. Not the lasagna say? loving. You oh. just said Garfield. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> he hates Mondays and World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> I won't carry a gun, but I'll carry a lasagna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I still think Hacksaw Ridge is worth a watch it's actually a very welcome book sort of yeah, movie I like Hacksaw Ridge yeah there's a little film here called The Handmaiden <laughs> never Pause heard of it effect. Um, I won't say anything Every, everybody drink that's your that's your everybody yeah, drink every right time I mention Dread is when you in Villeneuve yeah. Park Chan-wook film um, South Korean movie fucking brilliant I'm, in a Patreon exclusive we were talking about heist movies this is not a heist movie and yet Matt found <laughs> a way to talk about it Matt Matt found a way to bring it up and <laughs> talk about it. So yeah, to handmade. Brilliant. Um, Hidden Figures. It's a, it's a tricky one. Hidden Figures is a really nice, daring film. I really liked it. I thought it was very good and very strong. It does suffer from a bit of history rewriting mm. where Kevin Costner is suddenly saving the day yeah. and being bit, a bit, bit of a white bit of savior. Bit white savior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's still, more importantly, a very good story and very well done. And Taraji P. Henson and everyone else in Octavia Spencer, fucking great performances and really good biopic. And I enjoyed it. I think it's... It's not it's, oh God, it's not a green book, but it's it's a nice step towards better representation in cinema and, and a really well put together film. Kubo and the Two Strings. I mean, I fucking love Leica. I love the stop motion stuff they do. I agree. Kubo and the Two Strings are so good. Really um, good. Matthew McConaughey and um, Charlie's Theron and stuff. And it's just oh, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I think it's fantastic. Go see Get Out. Um, a film that has actually been discussed on the podcast before. I don't know. I think it was in the it was in feel good movies. Lady Macbeth starring Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> a miserable, miserable story about that um, you forced I don't upon your wife when she was feeling miserable. She felt crap, and I said, "Don't worry, watch this." Oh God, it's good. It's it's really well done. Um, then we have uh, Moana, one of Disney's oh. best films. I'm going to say that again. One of Disney's best films. I I agree. I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah great. Moana's great. Amazing soundtrack, amazing performances, some of the most gorgeous water effects and animation you've ever seen in your life. I have the soundtrack on vinyl and a giant poo of the pig in the corner <laughs> of the room as we speak. And by by far my most used gif is the, what can I say except you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video of uh, uh, the rock singing to his kid talking about washing your hands for coronavirus? Yeah. It's nice. Um, yeah, but Moana's great. 
I, I, I think it's great. A film that I don't necessarily think is very, necessarily not good, but I didn't enjoy it all, but I can appreciate what it is. And I know a friend of mine who said it was his, the best film of that year, despite the fact he doesn't, and, he, and it hit him very hard, whether it was good or not, is not a question. And that's A Monster Calls, oh. adaptation of a book. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that yeah. one. Yeah, uh, J.B.A.N. has directed it, and it's, it's, uh, it's a hard watch. It's about how mental health can manifest itself and how you deal with grief and stuff. And... Precisely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a kid dealing with the fact that his mum has cancer and it's just yep. like, oh, fucking. I mean, there's still like, you know, it's, it's, it's very interestingly structured about this boy being visited by a monster who tells him stories and things and the way the stories are shown is very interesting visually. So there's a lot going on there, but it's still fucking grim. It's, it looks like England. It's set in England, sorry, I should point out. But it looks like England. Everything is grey. Everything's covered in rain. Everything is fucking grim. It's like, yeah, there you go. That. England. It's fucking grim. <laughs> yeah. Speaking as a, uh, about representation and stuff, Oscar winning on the second attempt, Moonlight. Mm, Great fucking film. brilliant. Movie. Amazing film. Really good. Yeah. Moonlight's, again, a, a, just a geniusly constructed, geniusly acted movie. And, and yeah, just awesome. Uh, Nocturnal Animals. I like Ford as a director. I think he's a very interesting director. And um, I really like A Single Man and Nocturnal Animals is... I, I'm convinced not many people saw it in the end. No, I don't, I don't think it's that well known. For, no. for how many fucking famous people it's got jammed into it. Precisely. Yeah. I think it's really solid. I think it's worth mm. a watch. I won't say more than that other than go watch it. Um, with, without spoiling it, it plays on a famous, like, oh, do these... Two celebrities look like each other. Oh, <laughs> like, and they actually use that as a thing in the film, and it's very clever. And I will say Which no is, more. It's very noir-esque mm. kind of thing to do. Oh, it's very noir-y, yeah. 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 Unreliable narrator style and that kind of stuff. A fantastic director, one of Japan's best, in my opinion, is Koreeda. And he released in this year Our Little Sister. Uh, I think his best movie of late has been Shoplifters, which is fantastic and He's an after the storm and and various the business pieces, and he's he's a really good director for looking at uh, family, especially more than anything else, the family bond and things. Um, not necessarily just in contemporary Japan, but you know all over. And our little our, our little sister is um, is exceptionally good. Coming up next, we have a lot of people's favorite Star Wars film, Jack Chambers. <laughs> Hello, that's me. When you were saying, um, and, yeah, controversially, I know somebody whose favourite film, whose favourite film this is of this year, and I just don't get it. And I was like, oh god, he's calling me out on Star Wars. <laughs> oh no, wait, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, Rogue One is again. I've had a few problems with it every now and again. I still maintain it's fucking fantastically fun to watch. It's good. It's well constructed. I know there's more things like what the fuck is this? Because there was so many problems in the making of it, but it's still really, really good and different. And I remember my my review at the time, Tim. And, uh, and and former sequelizer Tom Martin, we um, we and a few other people, we were playing Imperial Assault, mm. a fantasy flight game. Mm. And I was watching this movie and thinking, it feels like I'm playing Imperial Assault. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> this is so good. This is brilliant. Funnily enough, I saw this film with former sequelizers Tom Martin and Alec Plowman. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we all loved it. <laughs> brilliant. Next one up, again, back to Japan, Shin Godzilla. One of the best Godzilla films. Um Agreed. I have it. Uh, funny enough, I have it on Blu-ray. I Ooh. know it's not Matt. Should be over my shoulder somewhere on the on the on mm-hmm. the. If, if the listeners could see it, they can't. But you know, you two can. It's on that on that shelf behind me over there. Really, <laughs> really, really good film. And we, I know we talked about Godzilla a few times, mm, and it's yeah. it does err onto the side of like the the human experience around Godzilla and the kind of political 
side of it and all that kind of stuff. But I think it is one of the best Godzilla films, period. Let easy, alone one of, the best, one of the best of the last sort of 20 years or so. I'm very much a fan of the kind of Godzilla that is a political or social commentary. And the fact that it talks about the not just necessarily the Fukushima power plant disaster, but more importantly, because I mean, I know the, 20, the, the, the Gareth Edwards 2014 one did it as well but very bluntly. This one does it in the sort of, we're going to talk about bureaucracy and how Japan is fucking stupid when it comes to just getting their fucking asses in gear because of tradition. And that meant that a lot of people went into the movie and kind of found the opening scenes kind of laughably stupid. Okay, to the, to the crisis meeting in the chamber and you get up to the next room and have another meeting. Okay, we'll schedule for another meeting and go to the next room. Okay, and you, you and the table over there, the, at the kids' table, can you talk? And it's like, what is this? It's like, that that's how their Japan's governments like, run. Yeah, yeah that's is. how their countries run. And that's part of the frustration is saying this is part of the problem. If something bad happens, we, you know, we're 10 hours behind, two days behind, yada, yada, yada. So it was very well done. And Arno, the director, was known for being the guy behind Evangelion, which is... You know, anime, holy grail shit. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's pinnacle stuff. Um, and Shin Godzilla is still fantastic. The, the layering in there, I watched it, rewatched it fairly recently. The levels of stuff in there. That, that's a film I want to see a sequel to, desperately. But it's Arno, so probably fucking not. I'm still waiting for him to do the fourth part of the fucking, um, the, the remakes of Evangelion. But moving on, moving on. Sort of, sort of sticking in Japan thematically, although it was shot, I think, in the Philippines. Martin Scorsese, who for forever was trying to get this book put to film, Silence. Mm. I love Silence. I think it's fantastic. It's long, but it's good. The problem I have with Silence, and it's only a small problem, but I was watching the movie the first time around and I thought, shit, if you'd have changed one thing, I think this film would have been a masterpiece. And this isn't a discredit to the individual I'm about to, to highlight, but it's the story of two Portuguese priests um, going to Japan, all these sort of hidden secret Christians, and they're put to trial, basically. Um, and one is played by Adam Driver, and the lead one is played by Andrew Garfield. You've mentioned this before, yeah. Mm. And my problem is that Adam Driver isn't the lead one, he's the backup one. And I, no discredit to Garfield, because he's great in Hacksaw Ridge, and he's really good here, but I would have preferred to see Driver in that role and Garfield in the other role. I think that would have been much more interesting to me personally. I think him throughout the film would have been more captivating. I think it's a, it, it talks about faith and all kinds of things, obviously, but also talks about cultural pressures, just the idea of like rocking up. Liam Neeson's fantastic. I, I do mean this, fantastic in this movie. So yeah, it's it's great. Go watch it. Thoroughly underrated film, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Agreed. A lot of fun. I really like this film. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people don't get on with it. And they're like, oh, it's just a long episode of like Star Trek. It's like, yeah, good. <laughs> it's the most it's, Star it's trek the, It's It's the most Star Trek of the Abrams yeah. Star Trek films by far. I like the first Kelvin Universe one, the sort of revamped deal. I, one I do back. as that well. great. Into Darkness, I enjoy, but yes, there are a lot said, of problems. Uh, we've already talked about <laughs> Han. The Han. less said about that, the better. Yeah. But Star Trek Beyond is fantastic. And there's so many things I thought, but they, again, you can't, well, after what happened with Anton Yelchin, you know, unfortunately, it was like, you can't really go anywhere from here. You kind of, that's, that's kind of it. Back to South Korea, Train to Busan. What a fucking awesome movie. I mean, when, when I remember watching Train to Busan and, uh, and someone just muttered quietly to me, they're like, Oh, did you know this is uh, South Korea's first zombie movie? I said, fuck off. <laughs> what do you mean first? Well, fuck off. So when I know first big mainstream zombie movies, I thought that that feels physically impossible. Zombies have been around. We're so oversaturated in Precisely. the West, aren't we? Yeah. And so then I was like, well, this can't be good then, because if they haven't had all that stuff, as it turns out, much like I saw like uh with um hashtag alive that I saw recently, because you haven't done it and you watch everyone else do it 
for so long, you can do some really fucking interesting things and make it really fucking fun. And there is a sequel uh, to 20% coming out fairly soon. And in fact, when coming out means nothing these days, but 20% sounds great. I, I think it's fantastic. I'm going to rewatch it recently for my uh, film festival sort of stuff I've been doing. A film I really love, but absolutely terrifies me, <laughs> is the 2016 film Under the Shadow, which is set in 1980s Tehran. Uh, you know, terrible fucking time period for, for the entire country uh, in Iran. But um, in amongst the war and the backdrop of all the horrors and all the shit going on, you've got this very simple family drama about fucking genies. And I mean gin, D-G-I-N-N, proper terrifying, you know, in the same way that Ireland has a load of folklore about banshees and fairies and they oh, fairies! And like, <laughs> stop, stop. Nope. No, they're not nice. <laughs> fairies steal your kids. <laughs> A baby would be, this, you know... This is, this is no uh, Robin Williams. Precisely, precisely. Um, and it's very... I, I find it very creepy, very unnerving, really well done. Very short, tight, contained film. And as always, horror films and other things. Get outside your own fucking country. Watch other people do stuff. they usually doing it really, really well and no one's watching. I mean, Parasite kind of proved that winning the Oscars. Anyway, Under the Shadow, fantastic horror film. Uh, speaking of fantastic horror, back to South Korea. The Wailing, really unnerving horror film. About it starts off like a more like a psychological thriller, cop sort of a detective, not detective, a crime drama about um, people going missing and being killed and stuff. It turns out to be a really creepy supernatural thing, really weird, really creepy. Only thing I'd say about South Korean movie is much I love, absolutely love the films of South Korea. Come on, guys, you got to stop making films. Every not everything has to be two and a half fucking hours long. <laughs> Just if I'm thinking, oh, I might watch a movie. Oh no, 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 it's ten o'clock. I probably can't watch a South Korean movie. If you don't start by nine, you're not going to get in watch by midnight. And lastly, Japan. I mentioned it in Feel Good Movies. Your name. Fucking brilliant. Love, Love that, that film. And even yep. if you don't like anime, even if you don't feel it, the connection for whatever story it's trying to tell, just the way it's visually presented, it is beautiful. It's on UK Netflix, I think. So Ooh, go check, and it, check out. it out. Yeah, no, you have no excuse. And weirdly enough, one you haven't mentioned, Matt, that mm. spins quite nicely off of your name because it's very much those two films that kind of took over Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in that year, uh, another anime film is A Silent Voice. Yes. I just yes. think is beautiful, and if you're ready for a cry... <laughs> I, I thoroughly agree. Uh, I don't know yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I, must, I don't know why I missed it off the list, or why I must got list. But then, again, I'm sure everyone's going to be screaming at us in the comments or in the Discord. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't mention Star Wars Phantom Menace! <laughs> we did. But yes, I think, yes, that's another solid, solid reason. And another yeah. one people should check out. Thank you. Another another good anime to check out. If you, even if you're not into anime, a silent voice and your name are really good places to start. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood as well as a series. If you're up for a TV series as well, yeah, I believe all three of those things are on UK Netflix. So <laughs> get stuck into some anime, folks. God, I realize how much mine's very international most of the time. It's... Although I did also put Gamera and Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, 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 Tim. Nineteen sixty. How far into the future are you wheedling? Well, if you twenty twenty, we oh. go. We go from <laughs> the HG Wells time machine. We clamber in that. We set the dials to fifty years exactly, Ooh. and find that our HG Wells esque time machine has turned into a hot tub time machine, which came out in twenty ten. Hey. It's not on my list, <laughs> but it did come out that year. People listening to the start episode go, ah. (laughs) Um, So I don't necessarily think that this is the best 
year for film. Well, then you have failed the objective of this episode, Tim. It's it's a slight subcategory on that. I think this is the most up and down year for film. The oh, most interesting. roller coaster. Because interesting. there's some the highest weird... of highs and the lowest of lows. Exactly. There's some great films that come out uh, in 2010, and there is some dreck. Uh, and so we, we should say as a bit of a, a, a disclaimer. In case someone says, oh, I can't believe you picked 1982. Don't you know this came out? It was shit. It's like, we know there were bad films as well. But sorry, Tim, go ahead. Yes, We, we need an excuse to talk about good films sometimes. Yes, this, we yeah. use the interseason stuff to talk about the good films because we spend the rest of the fucking year talking about bad films, all right? Give us a break. <laughs> Try to be positive for once. This is this is like our... It's like, it's like detox, but before we toxify ourselves going into season seven. <laughs> the purge. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We're pretty toxic all the time. It's the purge <laughs> before the binge. Anyway, so... Or the binge before the purge, I'm not sure. Before before I go through all the good stuff, I'm going to run through You're the downsides through a mile of, shit. of this year. Oh. And I'd, I'd just like some some reaction noises from you as I, as I mention these films. <laughs> Prepare for some fart noises. Okay. In terms of big box office winners, uh, we have... What many people call... I, I, it's a film I actually have a bit of affection for, but many people think it's one of the worst of the MCU, Iron Man 2. Yeah, I, d- I don't like Iron Man 2 uh, much, We no. have Disney's live-action Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. fuck right off. And Shrek Forever After. Uh, fuck. All the way off. <laughs> uh, focusing on some kids' films from this year, uh, we have uh, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson starring Tooth Fairy, Oh. Furry Vengeance, starring ah. Brendan Fraser. Oh, God. The Marmaduke film. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fred the movie, which I believe was the first YouTuber to get a film. Yep. That yeah, it was. fucking staple of our society. Shitting hell. Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Oh. <laughs> They've got a new Cats and Dogs out this year. Fuck off. No, they haven't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we love, we love some Zack Snyder. Legend no, of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Ah, Owls, the Owls of Gahul, yay! That's not uh, too bad. <laughs> and then uh, going going to some more popular, some some blockbuster type stuff. Uh, we have Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. Oh, um, one of the most boring films I think I've ever seen in my life. I it's, think it's I fell asleep. Some... I think I fell asleep twice during the course of that film. The Jaden Smith Karate Kid. Fuck right off. <laughs> the A Team. Mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Sex and the City 2. Oh, that's on the list. You better believe that's on the list of bad sequels, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That is a highly requested one. The Russell Crowe Robin Hood. Oh, oh, God, where he stormed out of an interview because he had a terrible accent and people called him out on it. Yeah. You, you sound kind of kind of Irish, Russ. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. I'm not doing I this. I was in Northampton for a long time. Do you mean Nottingham? Well, whatever. Uh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> I mean, we're doing terrible impressions of him, but still, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're not professional actors. We don't need to. Wall Street, money never sleeps. Oh, dear. One on the list. Also <laughs> on the list. Uh, the Expendables. Oh. Funnily enough, One is all for 2012, right. I have The Expendables too. So, yeah. <laughs> Forgot to mention that one on purpose. The Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz vehicle, Night and Day. That was Ooh. a fucking interesting concept. Good lord. Then it realised it's actually a terrible concept. I thought you were about to say, is there a sequel to Vanilla Sky? I don't know. Oh my god. What? <laughs> the Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie film, The Tourist. Oh, that was that Ooh. was arse. No, thank you. 
Valentine's Day, one of those big. Uh, uh, yeah. Here's everybody's uh, story. Holiday here. special rom com yeah. bollocks. Yeah. Smoking aces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Robert Pattinson, uh, it's a romantic drama, and then spoilers at the end, it turns out it's 9 11. Remember me. That is such oh, a fucked up movie. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler, Grown Ups. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Grown Ups 2 is bad, but. Oh, sorry. Let me clarify. Grown Ups 2 is worse. And therefore, it makes Grown Ups 1 better. But Grown Ups 1 is very, very bad in the first place. So it doesn't, doesn't make it better. No, 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 no. The terrible Kevin Smith directed, but he didn't write it, Cop Out. Oh, oh yeah. Good Lord, where he had a huge falling out with Bruce Willis and they've hated each other ever since. <laughs> and then arguably the two biggest pieces of shit, The Human Centipede. <laughs> Literal piece of shit. And The Last Airbender. Oh! oh, oh what a travesty. <laughs> the Last Airbender is one of the worst films I have ever seen. Oh, it is up there with Son of the Mask and Dragon Ball Evolution as one of the worst, most misunderstood, poorly made films. Remember I talked about objectivity and how <laughs> things are objectively bad? The last fucking airbender, the movie, is objectively bad. And also, as we previously discussed on the listener feedback... I have no affection for the Avatar Last Airbender bollocks. It's <laughs> not do. through nostalgia and all that kind of stuff, but fuck that film into the ground. I was so angry with it. I Me too. Am. So yeah. that, those are the lows. Yes. Bring us, they bring are us quite, quite to the lows, too. Quite to the lows. Yes. So now, quite the lows, indeed. Now we're going to shake that off and we're going to please, please. lift it up. So um, Cleanse your palate, ready for the deliciousness. Bring it on. I mean, I've, I've just eaten a mountain of shit. <laughs> Can't really cleanse your palate after that. We'll we'll start with Europe, with some some French and some English stuff. Uh, so we have sure. the French film A Prophet, uh, which is a really interesting crime drama. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. it delves into this kind of tension between Corsican prison gangs and um, Muslim pr- prison gangs, and this guy who's trying to kind of escape from this life. Um, really acclaimed drama that came out uh, that I year. highly recommend that one. That's really solid viewing. Um, Fish Tank, the uh, Andrea Arnold film, fantastic performance from Michael Fassbender. Kind of one of the sort of just as he was starting to take off and people take notice of him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, really great. Four Lions, the Chris Morris satire. Fucking love Four Lions. So Bad good. So Amazing. so brilliant and so tragic at the same time. One of my favourite, like, black comedies. Yeah. I I went through, obviously, quite a few terrible kids' films that came out that year. But on the bright side, we had Tangled. Which we which you mentioned on our listener feedback. We mentioned, yeah. Yep. You mentioned so, it, so and you're great. a big fan of Tangled. Toy Story 3. Oh. Yeah. oh. So Damn, brilliant. And a certain favourite of, of, uh, of one of our members here, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking love that. Fucking love that series. Uh, yeah, really, really great. Jumping to kind of the slightly more kind of uh, blockbustery type stuff, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, a really good adaptation of a very good comic. Mm-hmm. So stylistically yep. interesting. Absolutely adore that film and the comic series. And interestingly enough, the video game as well. Yeah. And they were all being made concurrently, like at mm. the, simultaneously, sorry, at the same time, yeah. to the point where. The finale, the the volume six of the comic hadn't come out yet. Yeah. But they had to finish the film and they also had to finish the game and all three of them 
have different endings. <laughs> yeah. And Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator, is like, take your pick. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Have Which fun. Go nuts. Would it be? So some some of you will prefer the way the film does it. Some of you will prefer how the comic does it. Some of you prefer the video game. I don't mind. It's all Scott Pilgrim. Have fun. Yeah. I can tell you and, this, uh, the film got it wrong. Well, yeah, it's not quite like an Alan Moore style like Watchmen thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and another fun thing briefly on Scott Pilgrim, you know, in lockdown, all these different casts have been doing these like table read mm. things via yeah. Zoom and stuff. One of the most fun, I've watched a few of them because, you know, what else am I going to do during lockdown? <laughs> and one of the most fun is the Scott Pilgrim versus the Wild one. Yeah. It is so entertaining. They get Chris Evans on there and he is hilarious and then he fucks off. And, the, the way, and, yeah. like, Chris Evans seems like this amazingly lovely guy, but the way he can transform himself into a douchebag just by angling his <laughs> eyebrows slightly differently is like... <laughs> he just does, a, just does the eyebrows yeah. on camera. It's so good. Yep. Uh, we mentioned Argo earlier. Another a Batfleck joint, uh, mm-hmm. the town. Thought you said oh, a, I love bat, the town. a Batfleck joint for no, you scared me, right, Tim? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Batfleck was 2016. I don't know why I didn't highlight it on my best of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, the town. I, I think a really great little mm. heist thriller. I agree. I agree. Crime drama kind of thing. Um, Inception. Yeah. Blah. We talked about it in our trailer episode mm-hmm. and our heist episode, both of which I'm pretty sure are Patreon exclusives. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Inception is really great. Like you can understand why it was a passion project for Christopher Nolan. And oh yeah, yeah. It's still, you know, I it, it's not perfect, but it's bloody spectacular. Yeah, like a lot of the 1999 ones we I brought up earlier. It's like, yeah, okay, it's it's aged and people might say it's a bit like, you know, mm. there, there are flaws and holes and things like, yeah, but especially at the time, it was very important. Mm. Uh, the Kids Are All Right, which is a drama, it's a comedy drama mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with Annette Benning, Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo. Really great, fun, well-observed, really tightly written sort of comedy drama. Yeah, I think it's very underrated, personally. Yeah. Uh, the Social Network, great. Yeah. Fincher, amazing score, as we've often said. Jesse Eisenberg, terrific, and Andrew Garfield, who we've brought up several times. Yes, yes. Really, really great in that. 127 Hours, the Danny Boyle, yeah. James Franco trapped in a cavern. I, I think really great film. There's something about both an, a, a filmmaker and also a an actor as well to be, this is very much a theatre mm. thing, but to be captivating and show a single space mm. and make it engaging and entertaining is a very difficult challenge. Like Castaway, Tom mm. Hanks is charming as fuck. So him on an island with Well Sad yeah. is great. Um, Franco is he, he's he's a twenty he's a twenty ten. Mm. He has his peaks and drops. Yes, yeah. Um, but him he's very captivating in that film specifically. Yeah. And Boyle's the way he f- shoots and frames and captures the whole thing is a testament to both of them. I think in, in yeah. quality. Winter's Bone, which was uh, oh yeah. Deborah Granick and and basically the performance that made Jennifer Lawrence's career and is very like you can see the line between it and Hunger Games quite easily because Mm, it's very much so it's it's kind of the gritty realistic version of what Katniss's life would have been like Um, (laughs) uh, and it it, it, like she is genuinely great in that and it's a really great film Um, John Hawkes as well really great in it as as her kind of i think is there an uncle in it um yeah yeah Uh, again 2012 did mention the hunger games but you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) i kind of forgot that film happened (laughs) uh black swan the aronofsky natalie ballet 
kind of the 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 second part in his uh watch watch uh artists injure themselves for your entertainment after the wrestler <laughs> yeah um really interesting obviously like very influenced by a lot of anime stuff uh which i know it was kind of controversial as uh, after it when they were like how much of this have you just he, kind of <laughs> yeah he bought the rights to perfect blue back in the late 90s early yeah. 2000s i want to say and 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 literally it's like ah oh, i'm going to get like sued for plagiarism if i use these shots for like back in um uh, Requiem Requiem for, for a dream. dream yeah and it's like well if i own the rights then fuck it yeah <laughs> and he does the same thing here he does lots of similar motif and tonality that kind of thing um but i love black swan i think it's fantastic yeah True Grit, the Coen Brothers. Uh, yes, fucking love remake. True Grit. Fucking wonderful remake. Oh, so great. Um, Speaking of yeah, Jeff amazing Bridges, remakes. That's a perfect example. So good. It, like the the all four main actors in that are absolutely terrific, spot on performances and and wonderful direction by the Coen Brothers as well. Mm. The Fighter, the David O. Russell, yeah. Mark yeah. Wahlberg, and Christian Bale, and a- Amy Adams as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think just all fantastic performances in that. And one of one of Allberg's best performances. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because there ain't much fucking competition for that. <laughs> uh, that and the Departed and. Hmm. I think Wahlberg, Wahlberg is as oh my like, God. Was... It's a Transformer. And that one <laughs> hey, how's your mother? I mean, I must. Admit, I do. I do have. Somebody said it perfectly. You don't know which Wahlberg is going to turn up on set. Mm. Is it going to be the good <laughs> Wahlberg who turns up, does these really interesting performances, or is it frowning, staring off into the distance, the happening Mark Wahlberg? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> which one have we got today? Oh fuck, it's this one. <laughs> Shit. I, I think I think Russell is one of the people who can get out a good performance because he's good in Three Kings as well. Um, mm. It's not. Three, it's yeah. not. Uh, it's not as an important performance as no the fighter, but yeah. Oh, we should also point out Mark Wahlberg is probably a very terrible person. Oh, yes, yeah, he is. Right. Mark Wahlberg is an awful person. And yeah. as always, I'm sure there's now a, a wave of Twitter people who are just finding us because they always do. If we say someone's <laughs> terrible, someone will say, How dare you? He's my boy. But yeah, sorry, Tim. I Karen. imagine Mark Wahlberg doesn't have too many like Stan accounts. Every motherfucker that aren't, like, does. Just dude bros, right? There are always assholes who come out of the workbook and say, I will now happily cut you in the face because you said something bad about fucking. Insert name here, Sam Worthington. You think, really? You're <laughs> no, going to die on that no, hill? No, Sam Worthington doesn't have Stan accounts. <laughs> Do you know That's who he is? It's fucking James Cameron. <laughs> 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 he comes at you like a buzzard. Uh, speaking of controversial figures, mm. kicked up a lot of fuss by saying the MCU isn't cinema. Martin Scorsese, Shutter Island. Yeah. Uh, controversial is that I like it and Jack doesn't. We have little yes, fights over it. Yeah. <laughs> we... we fairly strongly disagree on this because I said oh fair that's fine you know whatever I fucking hate the ending though and Matt was like you what mate <laughs> you starting I was like really is that the hill you want to die on and Matt was like yeah I really actually genuinely I'm not taking the piss I really like this I'm like oh uh, I haven't thought about it twice since I saw it and I thought eh well, now you're here. Why don't you talk about Sam Worthington, you piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> He's a fucking treasure. I'll, there are two hills I'll die on in this world. Shutter Island and Sam fucking Worthington. <laughs> Haven't you seen Somersault? It's amazing. It's fine. No, no one's seen Somersault. And then finally, a little uh, Michelle Williams connection. Blue Valentine. Ah, that's great, really. Break your heart at the end. Yeah, that's a good, that's good, that's a good release. Ah, fuck. Civil War came out in 2016. Jesus. Fucking fucking hell, Matthew. Keep up, son. And Doctor Strange, which is pretty good. I like Doctor Strange, so yes, that's a good point. I like Doctor Strange as well. Shit. (laughs) 2016, man. 
Who knew? I mean, great films. Terrible year for politics. <laughs> <laughs> so this this has been nice because it's just been us chatting about films Listing we like for the most stuff, part. Yeah. Apart from when I brought up all the bad shit, but you know. No, but it was nice to get a remember. Yeah, if you could have just skipped that section. It's good to have a reminder stuff. sometimes of just like how, and this is kind of the key point. I'm glad it's come up at the end, in fact. Even in a year when there's like, oh my God, can you can you imagine 2030 really good films this year? It's like, Yes, now let me leave the stop a list, a solid two hour long list of everything else that was released that was either mediocre or shit. And that's mm. the same thing when people say like, oh, uh, we recently did the, the London Film Festival, for example, because oh, it must have been good. It's like, yeah, almost everything was almost everything was good because it's a festival it's of, of a very high caliber. But when people say like, oh, you're reviewing films. Yeah, it was really fun. No, <laughs> not really, because... People watch the films they want to watch and watch the films they like. They don't watch everything. Mm. And if you watch everything that comes Unless out... Unless they're Matt Stockton. Hello. Um, but if you do, most of it is just arse wash. So when you say, like, oh, this one's pretty good. It's like, is it? It's like, yeah, compared to the fucking 20 other things I watched this year. But um, no, it's good to know that... Um, or good to note, sorry. That uh, even in a year that you think, God, that was a fantastic year for cinema. That was one of the most amazing years for movies. Just hit after hit after hit you're like yes now go look at what was the highest grossing film of that year <laughs> oh no <laughs> which we did in our decade recap we so did go back we did. and listen to that as well but the Ooh, flip yeah. side of that i think is that even in years where there's a lot of dreck there's also gold to be found always always you know even even this year where the cinemas basically haven't been running mm. you know we still had a few good things at the beginning and there'll be stuff coming out direct on demand you know via streaming platforms that yes. is worth seeing and worth enjoying um i've and- still been awarding five out of fives for quite a few films because yeah. there's been some really good stuff that is either coming out so soon or has come out or as tim mentioned vod or, or whatever yeah i was gonna be. say stuff coming to streaming and stuff there yeah. you now don't have to leave the house to see new releases yes. which is lovely in a, in a way you know ignoring the fact that people are losing jobs and stuff but of course thinking on the positive side of yeah. things and in many ways, it's more important than ever to support, you know, where you can, artists, you know, filmmakers. Yeah. Because it has been a tough year. And obviously, you know, if you can, if there is stuff that's out on demand that you do want to see and you can afford it, like, pay that pay that money and, and support those those good releases. Um, we should point out that if you're... Because we, we do recommend, obviously, a, a lo- oh, well, let's face it, almost all of these movies will have to put the list in the show notes. Just because everyone's going to go, wait, what did you reference? What was it again? So I think well, it, we're, 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 we can... perhaps we'll we'll put it as a public post on our Patreon. Um, yes, so that's probably that a, an easier good. way for people to find it. I agree. Thank you, Tim. Um, there's also there's a really great supercut for 2010 of of uh, all the films, most of which I've you know mentioned, both the mm. good and the bad uh, that I will stick in there, which um, was kind of one of the reasons that I knew that. When we started thinking about this, I was like, I remember watching that 2010 uh, supercut and going, oh, there is a lot of good stuff in here. So, yeah, <laughs> it steered me back there. Well, if you want to go and check that all out, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and uh, you can go and check out all of our previous episodes of the, as men- Matt mentioned, the recent London Film Festival, the British Film Institute London Film Festival we covered. That's all available for free on Patreon, as well as the show notes and the full list of our favourite years and all the films contained there within, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, get some free content in your eyes and ears. 
because why not? <laughs> and if you are able to, I know it's difficult times for some people, you can support us there as well. You can submit to a various number of tiers, uh, take your pick, and you'll get some bonus content for certain tiers. You'll get extra merch and discounts on stuff and the ability to vote on episodes. And there's all cool bonus stuff. So yeah, go and check out Patreon if you want to get more involved. And if you're able to, you can financially support us there as well. Just like our executive producers have done, such as Mike Salvia, the aforementioned Jonathan Firth-Clark. And he's not English, he's Scottish, but also kind of English, Stuart May. <laughs> if you too want to be an executive producer and have us talk about you in such manner, yeah. <laughs> please consider <laughs> noting. If you want to have me question your nationality multiple times in a single episode, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. Fame and fortune awaits, ladies and gentlemen. Fame and fortune. Exactly, exactly. If you want to go and check out our merch or anything else like that, you can check out our t-shirts, our posters, all that good stuff. It is sequelizers.com. All the links are there. You There's links to all our social media stuff, the various podcast platforms, the main ones we're available on, and the shop and the Discord because you can come and chat with us on the Discord as well. It's a lovely little time. You can come and chat with us about what happened on the latest episode, what you're hoping for from the upcoming season, because season seven's coming very, very soon, ladies and gentlemen. It's looming oh, yeah. large. Back, back to sequelizing. No more prequelizers. We're back to sequelizers. And I'm excited, because we've got some good ones. We've got some bangers <laughs> coming up. It's good to, be ba- good to be back in the swing of sequelizing action. So. Uh, mm-hmm. All that to look forward to. It's got a specific channel on the Discord to discuss the upcoming season, to discuss the previous seasons, and pretty much everything in between. You can talk about film releases, video games, comics, sports, wrestling, science. If you want to rant about politics, you can do it in there as well. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, the the less said about the 2016 politics, the better. If you want to follow us on social media, we are Sequelizers, as it's spelt on the podcast app in front of you. On everything. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the usuals, basically. If you want to follow me directly for some reason, I am JLW Chambers on all the social medias as well. I'm available on all of them. Don't have me on Facebook. That would be weird. <laughs> Although you'll you'll learn what the L and the W stand for, I guess. <laughs> which is also weird. Obviously, so. you'll learn what getting blocked means. <laughs> <laughs> getting you'll reported. learn the meaning of the word being reported for harassment. Uh, Mr. Stogden, if they'd like to follow you on the internet, how can they do that? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on the social medias. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk and read my reviews. There are a fuck ton of them now, <laughs> after we were obviously closed for a long time because the cinema's being closed, and then obviously open for a very period of time, and because of the BFI, we have lots of reviews and things. But yeah, lots of things to read on there. Uh, you can go to cheeseme.com and see the things that I've made. Um, again, a filming for me personally is on hiatus until it's safe to do so. Um, but uh, you can still see the back catalogue of things we've made thus far and catch up before we start filming more stuff. Tim! Yo. What are you up to? Uh, probably sleeping, but who knows? You can find me, trivia underscore lad, on Twitter and ask me whether I'm asleep or not, and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, are you asleep or not? That needs to get trending. <laughs> is Tim asleep? Well, that is it for the interseason episodes dear listeners as i mentioned we'll be back very very soon aka next week no breaks we're straight into (laughs) season seven sequelizers is back prepare yourself get hype emotionally mentally physically 
20, 2020, we haven't we haven't stopped. We haven't missed a single week. We've been plowing through like like fucking workhorses for you. You fine, fine people. Like a train in a Denzel Washington film. <laughs> See you next week, folks, for the beginning of season seven. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.